Hey everybody! Hey everybody! Hey everybody! It's history of Westeros time. It is question and answer time, and this is fun. We've never done a recording this late in the day for us. It's eight thirty Eastern Standard Time. Well, eight thirty-seven. We're starting a few minutes late, but close enough, I hope. And the longer the day goes, the loopier I get. Though I am still drinking coffee out of my Greyjoy mug. Wearing my uh, House Dane shirt, and Sean's got his nice uh, Star Wars I Know shirt. You all know, you, you all love Sean, and he knows. <laughs> That's right. There you go. So, this has also been the most hectic, busy week of my personal career doing Game of Thrones, A Song of Ice and Fire coverage. This is our third recording this week. I'm doing another one tomorrow at Balticon, and... As the show's grown, we've been able to add some help a little bit. We we hired uh, Yoke Boy from Radio Westeros to do our editing because he's, you know, you guys have heard, if you've heard Radio Westeros' show, it's super well produced. So we wanted to bring a little of that over under our end. But he's traveling this week, so I'm doing all the editing this week myself too. So all these recordings, all these editing. Now, I'm not complaining because, you know, every minute of it is spent doing Game of Thrones, A Song of Ice and Fire stuff, and I'm grateful for that. But it is a lot to do, so it's been very busy this week. But that said, no problems. I've gathered a ton of questions from you guys. There's a bunch of them in the, you know, in the Q and A that you guys have entered yourselves. I'm gonna pull that up here now. We've what, got a whole what, lot of questions. What questions could people even have? Haven't we answered everything already? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you might think so, but there's always more. You saw how much we talked on Monday for three hours. So if you're back for more. You know that means you're as hardcore as we are. I'm guessing a lot of the less, a lot of some of the casual folks aren't aren't here for hours four and five of show only review this week. But this show, it just gets us all really interested and gets us all going. So hey, let's not waste any more time. Thanks everybody for showing up. Thanks everybody, especially for watching live. Some of you will catch this later. Good on you either way. And it's hard to decide which question to start at. We're not going to go region by region like we do. We're just going to start now. Again, if you are watching live, make sure you hit that Q&A button on the video player. You'll see a bunch of questions there. You can upvote the ones you like and add new ones. So that'll, you know, you can play a part in the process of which questions we actually discuss. So I'm going to pull a few from our notes, things that came from Patreon and Facebook and Twitter and email. And then we'll move on to the Q&A app questions um, a little later. So... A couple of observations. I thought this was pretty cool, Sean. There was someone who drew a parallel. A couple people drew this parallel, actually. And it, the parallel is in the play. Arya sees the play and, you know, everyone's laughing and she's, you know, frustrated because it's portraying her family all wrong. But it's a throwback to Sansa seeing at the Purple Wedding when Joffrey was murdered, there was those dwarf performers. Yeah. And there was Rob Stark and all those other things. They right? were recreating the, the Red Wedding. Yeah. And it was you know, it was a rough thing for Santa to have to see. And of course it was, you know, that this was on purpose. Someone was inflicting this on Santa. Yeah. This was done not only on Santa, but on other people. And of course this was Joffrey and, and probably Littlefinger arranged for that. They at a minimum knew the effect it would have on her. Like they might have just done this play anyway, right? They wanted yeah. to celebrate this victory or whatever. But they definitely were making, held no punches. You know what I mean? Like, there was <laughs> yeah, no yeah. level of tact involved. Whereas this one that Arya is witnessing wasn't like, no one anticipated her or yeah. anyone connected that would see this, but, uh, but it still has the impact on her. Definitely. So that's pretty neat. It's a parallel that we didn't catch. So good job 
watchers who caught that. It was a couple of you who noticed that. Um, I wanted to clarify in the book to show, and some of you watch both, this isn't spoilery, but back in, I mentioned that it was back in 2008 and probably even before that, some other people did, but I don't have names on that. Somebody had guessed correctly, or at least unpacked the name Hodor, meaning hold the door. And I didn't have that person's name. I do now. It's Mirden, M-Y-R-D-D-I-N. So good job, Mirden. I, I guess that's a, a male. I don't know if it's a guy or a girl, but good job either way. Good prediction there. Now... Watchner Daniel Christian mentioned that I said that, and you were a little with me on this about the the higher magicness of Danny's fireproofness, and, and how that was a little maybe a little a little different, maybe a little bigger in a ways. It didn't sit perfectly well with me. I liked it. I certainly thought it was really powerful. I liked the scene in general, but he pointed out to us that it's a, maybe perhaps hypocritical to complain about something like being fireproof in a world where there's dragons and light walkers and children of the forest and all this stuff. And I see where you're coming from, but let me draw a distinction that I think is important, which is that, to me, one of the things I love about this setting is that the fantasy elements are outside the main characters. Game of Thrones, Song of Ice and Fire, much of it is about the human heart and conflict with itself. And this conflict, the best conflicts come from having difficult decisions, from being a little bit powerless. If you're just too powerful, if you can just do whatever you want, if you can just use your magic to get out of situations... There's no conflict. It's just resolu It's just action and resolution. And so for me, the difference is I like the fantasy elements outside the main characters. I like it when Danny has to deal with the dragons because they're difficult to deal with. These, these fantasy creatures that have a will of their own, but they don't just bow to her will. You know, yeah. the fact that they get out of control and, and kill innocent people is, I mean, I don't like that they kill innocent people, but it's realistic. And the White Walkers, no one, you know, there's, the White Walkers are villains basically they're not the characters have to respond to them now brand has these magical powers of course but they come with cost of course the first time he kind of used them on his own everything got all screwed up so not to mention he's limited in other ways he might have magical powers but he still can't even walk you yeah know? so far his powers have had i was gonna say have had no effect on anyone but maybe they've affected hodor yeah but they only affected hodor and so far as it saved himself it's you know what i mean he's not like winning battles or stopping, you know, fleets or anything, you know. Absolutely. And so that's the difference. There's a couple differences there, in other words. So I like the I like it when the characters that we care about, that we're drawn into, those ones don't have the magical solutions. So I'm not, it's not a complaint. It's just a preference. And to take it one step further, though, along, something else that didn't sit quite right with me in that scene is why didn't she do that, something like that before? She had plenty of opportunities to, like, awe people that were, that were considering working for, like when Miro of the Second Sons was considering signing up to switching sides for her why doesn't she show off this that she's like special like that of course she's got the dragon so that makes her pretty special but if she's just like maybe you should join my team and holds her hand in a fire and doesn't get burned i think that would add some weight to her argument but i guess they just wanted to keep it on well, the down low maybe to make it here's a, a couple thoughts one danny may feel similar like the character of danny may feel similar to you like I don't want to use magic. I want to do it through my own force of will, my mm. own intellect, my own determination, my own decision-making. I don't want to use these magic tricks. Yeah. Like, that's, that's one factor. Uh, two, it might be interpreted that way. Some people see Melisandre's power and still don't accept her. Yeah, Does that makes sense. That's true. Um, and finally, she may not totally realize she has the power. She may not, you know, it might be something that hasn't occurred to her in the past or that... Uh, she might not even have been 100% sure it was going to work in this scenario here. You know, it might right. have been a, a certain risk that she was taking. And in this scenario, she's kind of like all in or nothing, where other times she had other avenues. She didn't have to, 
either resort to what she in her own mind might think of trickery or to something that might be risky or that she's not comfortable with or confident in, you Good know, point. so, yeah. uh, maybe it not, just... not to say she couldn't have ever used it at some point. It does seem yeah. like at some point she might have wanted to clarify to someone that she has some sort of power or I don't know. Uh, One time that she, it may have sort of come up was, but it wasn't necessarily intentional on her part. Uh, it was semi-intentional perhaps. This was noted by uh, Adam Whitehead, uh, a.k.a. Wordhead, who has a great sci-fi fantasy blog. In, in particular, he's written about the history of A Song of Ice and Fire in terms of its publication history. And he's really on top of that stuff. So check him out. And he pointed out that, that in Season 2, there was also a moment where Danny was sort of fireproof. When she basically beat the Carthine warlocks that were stealing, that stole her dragons and she, yeah. she they basically she basically had them start breathing fire when she was just kind of trapped in, in right the there. midst of it or yeah whatever, and the yeah. flames were just all around her they didn't like touch her i don't think but like that has to be like really really hot i was gonna say hot as hell and that's pretty close to <laughs> what dragon fires probably is even coming from baby dragons like that so i think that there's at least it was my it was certainly set up by other things but it was yeah. there was even more set up than we thought or maybe not that we thought but yeah, yeah. I, I didn't think it was out of nowhere for yeah it wasn't out of nowhere it definitely wasn't out of nowhere and um, but maybe it is out of nowhere for her to suddenly use it. Yeah, you know? it was a um, dormant ability that she hadn't used yeah. in a long time, and it seems like maybe there were chances to use it before. But uh, but yeah, but this is just this is kind of just nitpicking. We're not we're not really complaining. It does about uh, it, lead yeah. me to another thought that I was having uh, about Santa and Brienne when they met with Littlefinger. Okay, how part of me likes the idea of Sansa kind of coming into her own and kind of taking charge, being free for once to make decisions. Um, and there's a, a little part of me that was dissatisfied when she, like, used Brienne. She's like, Brienne will cut you down right now. Brienne goes her sword. I kind of like, oh, that's cheating, man. You're kind of like bullying him there. That, to be fair, he deserves to be bullied, right? Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But what I mean is it's not really Sansa asserting himself over herself over Littlefinger. It's Brienne, right? Mm. But then it occurred to me, Littlefinger just used... Robin to assert himself over Royce. Yep, yep. <laughs> and Littlefinger in the past has used his guards when Bran first came to Sansa. We like found the two of them. They threatened her big and time. And Littlefinger was like, hey, guards, why don't you uh, escort this fine young lady? You know what I mean? Like, So it yeah. is like a tool at Sansa's disposal. So I, I kind of decided that it it's as fair for her to use this tool as anyone else uses tool. Well, I feel the same thing for Danny. If yeah. Danny has his power, <laughs> she should use it. Maybe she should have used it more in the past. I'm not sure, but... Uh, I, I don't have a particular issue with it. Yeah, it was a little. It was, I like what you're talking about there with Brienne. It was a little bit of payback. She probably, she maybe even wanted her Sansa to say, "Yeah, okay, Brienne, go yeah, ahead, yeah. kill him." <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so sp we'll we'll stay with Danny for a minute here. Abe Friedberg suggests that maybe we're a little too hard on Danny's ruling um, as her as her abilities and maybe taking more into account her situation and her youth. Now, I'm not sure that we have been that hard on her because I I do agree with that. Maybe it's maybe I haven't expressed myself as well as I thought I have, but I definitely think Danny deserves a lot of passes for mistakes she's made because of her youth. And, I mean, it's normal. You're, she's a teenager. Of course, teenagers, the standard for teenagers is different in Westeros and Essos, in her case, than it is for our world. But still, young people are supposed to be able to make mistakes. They're supposed to, I mean, it's just normal. And, uh, yeah, so I have no trouble with her making mistakes. When I say that Varys and Tyrion are a big help to her, it's because they have experience. That's exactly what she needs. You know, they if she were older and had more experience and was making these mistakes, then it would be correct, I think, or more apt to make 
more criticisms of her. But she's, what, 16 in the show, effectively? I don't even know how old she is these days. But that's really accomplished for 16. Even take away the dragons, which is, you know, kind of a magical... Well, not kind of. (laughs) (laughs) So, do you have any thoughts on that? Like, Danny's just judging her as a ruler in general? I I think that uh, I'm more... I see all that. I see all that. Like, on one hand, I feel like there have been times where she was making a mistake. And sometimes maybe subtle, or maybe we know better because we saw this other thing. Or maybe sometimes she's even going against counsel. There have been a couple times when I felt like she was almost obviously doing this. Like, what? Oh, what? Especially, like, watching it a second time. But hindsight's twenty twenty, And it's a lot easier for us to be watching as viewers with all this perspective to judge a decision someone's making in the heat of the moment, you know? Yes. So... Uh, and she is younger. Now, all that said, the thing is that uh, we might find all these reasons why it's okay for her to make these mistakes or say that she's not terrible, she's not a four, she's a seven. But when she presents herself as the savior of the world, breaker of chains, da 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 well, you better live up to that. You know yeah, what I mean? that's like, true. And or incorporate a little humility into your, sure. your persona, you know. I think there's another distinction to be made here, too, and it's it's the difference between... Pointing out someone's mistakes and condemning them because of them. Like, we will point out Danny's mistakes. We'll point out everyone's mistakes. We'll point out Bran's mistakes. We'll point out Cersei's mistakes. We'll point out Jamie's mistakes. But that isn't, it's different than condemning them. If we say, well, because of this mistake, I think she's bad. You know, that's different or she's terrible because of that. And there's a lot of that in the fan. A lot of people just, nothing you say will convince them Danny isn't horrible. But I've, I'm nowhere near that attitude and neither is Sean. So I think, yeah, I mean, it's important to draw those distinctions and to be fair and come at these things sort of uh, uh, approach them as, you know, from a a middle standpoint and put these things in perspective. Anyway, good, good thoughts there, Abe. Good question. Glad we got to discuss that. Now, here's uh, let's let's go to the far other end of the ice and fire spectrum. That was Danny talking about Danny. We're talking about fire. Let's talk about ice for a second. White Walkers. We were guessing and thinking in the moment about how many there were. And, well, you know, it was suggested that maybe there was just those three left because there were four at the cave and one was killed by Mira. But if you think back to season four, again, a few people pointed this out after the episode. And, of course, when I saw it, I was like, oh, yeah, of course. This is, should have. I really should have caught this. There's the ceremony. Ceremony? The ritual, whatever you want to call it, where the White Walkers take Craster's baby and they turn it into a walker like them, there's 13 of them there. Um, And we've only seen two die since then, because the one that Sam killed was before that. So there's at least 11 left, and if they made the baby into one, then that would be 12, maybe? I don't know, like, if it's got a gestation period, you know, it's just a... Also, does he turn into one of them, or one of the horde, you know? I I don't think it turns into a horde. The horde is just... No, they don't. Like the guy, the, 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 the watchman, who... Came back alive and it Yeah, they had the normal. blue eyes there, and they they did no. I'm I'm wrong. They do have blue eyes. It's just not well seen sometimes. Like in the scene when Bran was walking through the entire undead army, none of them. Yeah, had blue it, eyes. it seemed they didn't seem to stand out as having blue eyes at least. But so. they there's plenty of times where they have been shown out. I think it's whether or not they're active. You know, I think when they're just sitting yeah. there dormant because when they all came alive, when Night King realized Bran was there, well, their eyes still didn't turn blue. But they were. It showed that they weren't even. They were dormant. They were, they were just standing yeah, there yeah. like like they were in storage basically because they're not alive. And, in fact, that is a good segue to another question that, again, many people have asked this one. Will Bran be able to warg into whites? 
Any thoughts on that? I'm thinking no because they're not alive. Yeah, I think no, but I, f- I feel like any answer we come up with is just kind of just guessing or thinking about yeah. what we want. Uh, yeah. Uh, th- I don't think there's any real evidence to the point whether he would. He's already done. Here's the thing. If there was some evidence somewhere that like indicated that no, he can't. Like if Tyrion had read some line or Sam read some line from, oh, it says here that wargs can't go into White Walkers. It also We've also been told he can't go into people, but he went into Hodor. Yeah. And maybe there's some reason or excuse or justification, but the fact is that there's anything that we got isn't scientific in the first place, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and uh, precedents have been set to break what we've been told in the past. Now, part of me feels like he shouldn't. You know what I mean? Like if I was a writer, if I could control or choose what was going to happen, he wouldn't be able to. I think that would be yeah too powerful or too easy you know it doesn't fit so. for me because of because of the whole they're not because it seems to me that he can only control living creatures and they're not alive yeah um but yeah like you like you said that was really well said it's if we we can't we're basically guessing here um another piece of evidence might relate to the fact that we're not another piece of evidence but this, there's there's more to this that i want to explore and we saw that ceremony of the children making the the night king from a human uh, from a first man now, some humans have the skin-changing green seer abilities. So there's some speculation that they can't just transform any human. But they have to transform humans that already have some of this magical ability in the first place. And if, and it's just kind of a, it's, it kind of fits in a way that only a magical thing can. In other words, you take a human being capable of controlling animals or slipping into their skin, and then you modify them into this undead being... And that power is subverted in a similar way. You take a living person, make them into a living dead person, and then now instead of controlling live animals, they can control dead creatures. Yeah, it's okay, kind of got yeah. a connection in a you know. I mean, I'm trying to make sense of magic, so you can you know don't hold me to that. But I think it's kind of a cool thought, and the way the way those things parallel is kind of neat. And it might be it might be what George had in mind. You know, something along those lines. It might be close. We might be. You know, maybe I didn't hit the bullseye there, but maybe I'm in the neighborhood. You know, yeah, yeah. something like that. Maybe of all the sons they take from Crest, are only one in twenty. Worked, yeah. You know, or like, just some of them are stronger than others. You know, yeah. maybe some of them yeah. are more powerful. Some of them are like crappy walkers, and some of them some are, them are more the leader characters to control or ta- yeah. make tactical decisions. Maybe some are more individual swordsmen or whatever, just like humans might be. Right, and he also we pointed out. I think we pointed this out in the book to show up. So not in the show only review is that they. Earlier versions of the walkers that we saw on TV were not wearing armor. I mean, we did, I think at the ceremony they were, but the one Sam killed, no yeah, armor. Yeah. He was, he was naked, right. yeah, upper body. Around. It's on the screensaver that we have on this computer yeah. that, we're, that we're doing on. It's, it's, we, we noticed yeah. that really clearly. We had a really easy check. and Which might mean that they weren't prepared or preparing for battle yet at yeah. that moment, but now they are. Now they're yeah. like, they, someone. one of them got stabbed by a dragon the last day. Well, armor is good against yeah. obsidian. You know, yeah. that's just, that stuff's brittle. So, yeah, so that's interesting. It might have been like, it might have been like a little subtle clue that they've adapted slightly or that they're preparing to ramp things up. But you wonder, where are those other, if those other walkers weren't in that vision, where were they? Were that on some crappy mission? Like, you're not a very good white walker. We're going to send you to menace. You go change the diapers to yeah. the baby walkers. <laughs> and there's, like, the wildlings have mostly left the, the, the north of the wall, so who is there to menace? You know, what are they doing? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I guess there's a few wildlings left up there still. Uh, so maybe they're getting really menaced by the <laughs> the white walkers up there now like we really should have left all the white walkers are focusing on us we're the only ones here mm. 
So anyway, there's really no way to know. Uh, I'm not even, you know, there's there's no guarantee that the show is even decided on some set number. They may just have shown 13 because 13 is, you know, like this cool mystical number. Yeah. But there's also a suggestion that it relates to this this last hero story. The last hero is one of the fables that Nan tells Bran about way back when. When the last hero had 13 companions or something like that is the thing. There's also the story that Night King was the 13th Lord Commander of the Night's Watch. Things like that. But clearly, not. that's a that's a book thing, and that's just a story. So it's we were shown in the show that that's clearly not the case, because they made Night King. That didn't look like they were converting a Lord Commander of the Night's no. Watch. I mean, maybe they were. The guy didn't have a beard, which is kind of odd for <laughs> ancient first men. <laughs> it, uh, I think it's... if. It might be, this is very minor, but I think it's noteworthy that it's not seven. Seven is not a number, which is also kind of yeah. like a number that often is just chosen to represent luck or whatever, you know. Yeah. But in Game of Thrones, in the world of Westeros, it's the part of the religion. Yeah, yeah. And that would, I think, would have been noteworthy if it was seven of them every time mm, we saw seven of them. But that it's definitely not, you know, so. Yeah. Um, and the, the other thing that's kind of interesting about this is that I want to think about that isn't something that we can explore deeply, but it's a really kind of cool thing to just throw out there. The others take children, make them into White Walkers. Night's Watch doesn't allow its members to have children. Could that be related from in the ancient past? That could be like it develops as part. Now, it wouldn't be strange if it wouldn't connect. I mean, the Kingsguard aren't yeah. kids, and there's a very obvious yeah. reason for that. They're supposed to focus on their duty. Family, like Nestor Amon says, love is the death of duty. You can't... It's yeah. hard to do both. It's hard to have a family and to have dedicate your life to this martial order. So Just as it does start. not have to relate, yeah. but it's pretty cool thought that it might. And it would make sense also that the Night's Watch would be restricted, especially because at least a lot of them are there instead of being killed. So you're you're not going to like be spared and get to get married and have kids and go on with your life. The whole point is you're starting a new life, and it's and it is a commitment to this, yeah. this uh, dude, this guard, you know. Okay, so let's move on. Um, a quick mo note from Typhoo Lannister points out that the I, I mentioned that the Ramsey, when they introduced Ramsey, not introduced, but basically brought Ramsey to the forefront with his hunting scene where he hunts the girl, that I said that that was just after, uh, or the next episode after Purple Wedding, but apparently it was, he corrected me and pointed out that it was just before. Same difference. They introduced around the same time, but good to, good to correct myself there. Um, uh, let's see. Next question. From Sin E, who wonders about Kinvara and Melisandre's past. I like this question a lot. Um, since they're both so old. Well, we don't know that Kinvara's so old. We assume that she's, there's a good chance that she's old yeah. because she's a high-ranking priestess. And Melisandre's really old. And she's not a high-ranking priestess, as far as we can tell. Melisandre, that is. So it makes sense that if Kinvara is a high-ranking red priestess, and, and this age, if, if unless Melisandre's truly unique with her ancientness, then Kinvara could be even more ancient. And that is, again, this is all magical speculation. We don't, it's hard to go anywhere with this other than to talk about it and have fun with it. We, it's hard to conclude anything. It does make you wonder how many other of these priests, priests and priestesses, I guess, because uh, uh, Thoros wasn't magically extra old or anything no. so there may be one i wonder how many of these priests and priestesses there are in general and two how many of them are really old like on one hand uh melisandre's old so maybe she's old too but on the other hand thoros wasn't old so she may not be old you know um but she definitely did seem to have 
more of Melisandre's presence than Thoros. Thoros is like, hey, man, I'm just getting drunk. This is cool shit, right? Like, <laughs> But she's like, the Lord of Light will deliver the boo She has that same sort of persona and mentality about it all. <laughs> so uh, maybe it's more likely that she is older or uh, at least of the same school yeah. thought or trainer from the past. Or it, it doesn't seem unlikely at all that they would know each other or be aware of each exactly. other. Exactly. That was know. where I was going to go next to point out, just, could they at least be aware of each yeah. other or, or have met or have like, actually could actually have some kind of real history yeah. where they, you know, maybe they are friends or enemies, you know, yeah. I mean, they could, they probably couldn't be like bitter enemies, both being red priests, but you never know. They the, could be. The show has hardly talked about it at all. I don't know if it would be spoilery to, to ask about the books, but do they have a citadel equivalent? Do you know what I mean? Do they there's have temp- a- there's great red temples all over the, the free cities. There's the biggest one is in Volantis, and there's an equivalent character in the book that's not Kinvar, but is basically the the, the, the parallel role. And it's uh, the circumstances are at least somewhat similar. I, yeah, I don't want to spoil anything, but yeah, there's some similar circumstances. But there's basically a red temple. There is no one central red temple, but the one in Volantis is possibly the largest. Which and there mean, are many, many, so. uh, many. There's even a small red. There's there's little little small red temple sept sept. It's not a sept. Red, red temple even in like old town. Just a small one for mostly for sailors and for foreigners. It isn't you know it isn't popular amongst Westerosi, at least not yet. Maybe that'll change. Yeah, Danny bringing over a bunch of bunch of red priestesses. Maybe they'll start spreading the word. Yeah, I, I was so intrigued by the moment when Kimbara. Hey, I guess it's kind of, ooh, how does she know that? But I don't care how she knows. I want to know what it was that Varus heard. I want to know what was that <laughs> yeah, thing that he heard. You I know? wish he had said yes yeah. to that question. I feel like they have to tell us. There's no way they, like, put that in there and don't bring it up again later on. But I believe someone even asked us that question. It might be somewhere in my notes. It might be on the Q&A list there. But someone wanted to know who we thought that voice was. I have no yeah. idea, really. I mean, it but, could be, I don't know that gods are real in Westeros and Essos at all. Um, it's not clear. It's like, it could be just there's magical forces that people can tap into, and they just call that you know God derived. But there's no proof. We've never yeah. seen any proof that the gods are real. Unless you want to consider like Night King a god, which is yeah. there's some argument for but that. But like, say it was yeah. the Night King. How would Varus know that it was the Night King? Yeah, no, right? there would be no. So way. it could be that it was like some character that she knows who it is. There was just a voice to Varus, and maybe yeah. we'll find it. that was the Red Lord. Uh, the, yeah, what, what's his name? What's their? Uh... What's the name of the Relor, god? Relor, yeah. Relor. That was yeah, Relor speaking to you. But maybe it was someone that Varus did know or come to know. Maybe it was Ares or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, funny. I, speaking of Ares, I meant, I meant to say this when we talked about Thoros, but I got sidetracked. If you recall, Thoros was brought to Westeros because they heard that Ares was into fire. And they're like, oh, nice, nice yeah. opportunity. Maybe we can win over. But Thoros had no luck with Ares, but... <laughs> It turned out he was got along great with Robert because yeah. they both loved drinking so much. <laughs> so it didn't quite. He he made friends with the king, but it wasn't the king that. They, yeah, they the wrong wrong king. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's hilarious. Okay, next question from <laughs> Shift Doogler. Nice name or Shift Dougler. Could the Walkers cure grayscale? That's another one that's just real. We, we couldn't give a definitive answer. No, but they can. I know they can. <laughs> Jorah's already asked them. It's in the trailer. <laughs> Didn't you see that trailer? It was like Jorah talking to the walkers. He went into goes into the White Walker store, and they're they're like, "Can we help you?" Yeah. And he's like, shows rolls up his sleeve, and they're like, "Billy, come take a look. Bring the pixie dust." Yeah. So no, honestly though, it's interesting because they, you know, if they can control dead things, and it's like his arm is slowly dying. You wonder if it's not, the, it's like maybe they yeah. can't cure it, but maybe they can, 
Freeze it. Freeze it or control yeah. him. Now, yeah. I didn't even think of this. Can control amputate his, his arm to stop it? Like, as gruesome as that might be, I would chop my arm off rather than die. Well, if it was, he should have done that a long time ago. Yeah, he should have just maybe. cut his fingers off. Before he gets up to the elbow or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I will say, this is a minor book spoiler, that is a suggested cure in the right. books, but it doesn't. Either they're not using that in the show, or Jorah just didn't want to do that. <laughs> yeah, kind of loses the, who he is. The reason, a, yeah, it's his, it's his left hand, but it's still, the other thing would be is if he had cut his fingers off back then, then he would have given it away. He'd have to explain his missing fingers. You know, he'd be like, he'd be like, what, dude, what happened to your fingers? Oh, nothing. You know. Also, war. I don't think it's on his fingers. I feel like the first and every time they've shown it, it's been on his forearm, not his fingers. Yeah, you're right. Maybe he hadn't didn't go this way. It only went this way. Uh, yeah, that's a good and point. I, I don't know if it's going down to his fingers yet. I haven't noticed it on I'm, his hand. I'll probably take a closer look at his it. hand. You know. Good point. Um, should take it. Should maybe review that last scene where he gives Danny a really good look at it. Okay, let's see here. Another cur another watcher points out something I couldn't think of. Jamie Zara Hall points out that it was Sigur Ross that was the band at the Purple Wedding, and I really can't believe I couldn't think of that because Sigur Ross is pretty famous, and I, I'm not a, I'm not a regular listener of theirs, but I've, I'm familiar with their music. And I, at the time, I was like, ah, why can't I think of it? So thanks for pointing that out. That's who it was. And let's go here as well. Katie Alt points out to us that maybe we jumped past the simpler explanation with Brienne being a little, you know, having mistrust toward male affection and tension because of what happened to her in the past. But maybe she's just not interested in torment. No, she is. <laughs> Talk to her too, huh? <laughs> yeah. <I know. laughs> she could fight. I got the inside her. scoop. On that. <laughs> Man, you got a lot of inside scoops today. I'm just, I'm just behind you here. So that is a good point. We should have maybe, we should have at least mentioned the simpler case, which is, you know, that's that's just more honest. The possibly maybe just Brienne. She's just not attracted to him. I just can't understand that because I'm attracted yeah, to him. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that also, beard. by the way, and uh, you know, I don't know how how much to get into this. The nature of relationships and why people should or shouldn't be retracted to each other but literally i don't think they've spoken a word to each other like she doesn't have anything to judge him on other than his appearance <laughs> staring at right? her like, like his eager uh, face like so <laughs> like she he he might be an evil murderous backstabbing daughter but he might be a noble trustworthy yeah. daughter but she doesn't really know i mean yeah, maybe she on know some level she might have a, a prejudice towards yeah. wildlings like an understandable one to. right yeah. so uh, and He's kind of murderous. <laughs> he is, yeah. But, you know, he's capable. Yeah, that's true. It's true. He's a good dude, but he's murderous. He's capable. I wonder who's killed more people, Tormund or Bran? I believe Tormund's a lot older than she is, so probably Tormund. But, you know, because Brienne didn't... When we saw it, we first see her, which is that fight, you know, and she's in or the tournament. Runway, right? She hadn't yeah. killed anyone before that. Yeah. As far as we... I mean, in... Well, I don't think she'd killed anyone before that. Uh, so... And then after that, she hasn't had. She's been in fights, but she hasn't exactly slaughtered tons of people. But Tor Tormund has killed like lots of Nights Watch. Although he's also killed people that were already dead. Lots of his kills yeah, he were white. Killed other wildlings and yeah. Uh, so I'm guessing Tormund is far more uh, notches in his belt in that regard. Wonder who's killed more people, Brienne or Arya? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. <laughs> let's see here. Uh, let's go to Stanklepoot. What a name! Nice name there. Now, Stanklepoot suggests we take the Lady Crane assassination further, which is that it's interesting to consider that Arya is being told to assassinate fake Cersei when we know that real Cersei is on her list. But we didn't really mention the fact that it's fake Sansa taking fake Cersei's place in this scenario, just like 
we saw earlier in earlier seasons how Sansa was stepping up when Cersei was kind of melting in at, in the Blackwater. Yeah, it was yeah, kind of like a, a harbinger of Cersei of Sansa coming along to be better than Cersei to rule more capably and to do these things. It's kind of neat to see that little parallel and just to consider the fact that it's a Sansa replacing a Cersei in both ways. And uh, you know, if if Sansa, especially if you think of Sansa as as Lannister, which he's not, but yeah. <laughs> if she were still married to Tyrion, it would have even, it would work even better. So, okay, I like that. That's pretty cool. What else do we have here? Uh... Oh, this is great. Okay, so also staying with the play, Lucas Perzak points out that the Santa actress, this is a great meta comment here, the Santa actress complains that she only had two lines and then the other man responds, there are no small parts. Yeah. This describes Hodor. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man, that's beautiful. Oh, and sad. A beautiful, <laughs> beautiful death thing again. So, yeah, because he obviously, he didn't even have two lines. He had one line, just said many, 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 many times yeah. with many different emotional affectations to it. But he did not have a small part. He's certainly not a small part. How guy. many lines did young Hodor have? Uh, he had more than the old Hodor did because he yeah. actually got to say some things. He definitely he like spoke about the shield and, about yeah. About yeah he, he made some observation on their sparring. He was talking to Lyanna for a second yeah. there. Yeah, so that's nice. I like that. <clears throat> okay, here's a clever question that I've seen from several people actually, and when several people mention it and I don't think of it, I feel like I missed something. But you know, we can't be perfect. Did Euron burn Danny's fleet? Yeah, that is a good question. Uh. What's the timing of that? Like, is well, it theoretically forget the possible? timing. Yeah, because I guess they could yeah. just toy around with that anyway. Forget the but... timing, because with Littlefinger moving around the way he yeah. has, we just the standard is but... that they can play fast and loose with timing. So we, I don't think we can even really use that. As a, as it a, would make a lot of a sense, though. It would make a lot of sense if he put to... put it all together, had this master plan. It takes away even a little bit of the coincidence of him mm -hmm. showing up at that moment, and yeah. we showed at that moment because he knew that they would need the fleet, and you know there were. The, the real coincidence is Theon showing up. Yes. You know, yeah. Uh, that's, yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's a coincidence. Euron was a plan. Uh, the other thing I like about this theory, at first I was like, nah, it's too, it's too out there, but no, but, but I quickly turned, changed my mind because, for one thing, originally it was the time thing that threw me off at first, but then I was like, no, that doesn't matter. <laughs> the timing a, doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. And B, it does, I think it at least kind of adds up. It does. Right? Yeah, the thing that struck, stuck me was, <clears throat> Why would the slave masters want to burn the ships? They want Danny to leave. Yeah, yeah. You don't, you I don't tell that someone, that get in your too. car and leave, and then go out and puncture I'm, their tires. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. So, yeah, so it, 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 arguing that it was a third party really fits because it's, it's, it's counter to the motivation of the masters. Um, it, it could have been someone else that did it. Like someone like you could imagine the freedmen do it to make sure she doesn't leave. You know, they're like, well, if she leaves, the master can take over again. Yeah. We want to make sure she stays. So there's it does. So there's other people besides Euron, but the argument that it was the, sla the slavers, I think, are kind of far down the list for having done that. Euron needs to be on that list. So yeah, good on you, anyone who asked that question. That one's for you. Uh, good job. <coughs> now more. I'm gonna take a few. We'll do a few more questions from people that have that we've gotten. Multiple people have brought this up. And meanwhile, more people are upvoting and adding questions to the Q&A app, which is good. While we answer these questions, other ones can get time to get upvoted or not. And in the meantime, hey, Sean, what's that red beverage you're drinking there? You were drinking, you were drinking pureed Children of the Forest before. Now it looks like you're <laughs> drinking pureed Dragon. This is the blood of the Children of the Forest. Oh, they don't have green blood, huh? No, no. All right, well, that's good to know. 
Vulcan. <laughs> okay, so Where here's from? here's a here's a related <laughs> question about the the walkers and the children. Well, mostly just about the walkers. Will the mark on Bran allow him? Will allow the walkers to break through the wall? Maybe I don't know. Uh, this is my. I mean, it's a possibility, but I don't think so. This this is what I think is it. It is what they said it is. Now they can get us here. Mm. And that's it. Nothing more. Yeah. They they know where they know that Bran is at that tree and they can enter the tree and uh for the moment that's just what I'm accepting. It's it's what they told us and nothing more, nothing less. I see two ways to this. I think it's absolutely possible with anything magic like this, we just can't be confident and say, Oh, definitely not, or definitely yes. There's obviously we can't know. But okay, so let's think about it strategically. If the walkers want him, want this to happen, I don't know that they'd be pursuing him with so you know like they would they're trying to kill him <laughs> seems like they just want him dead and if they had if he could be a decoy to get them through the wall then they would let him through the wall you know but maybe not because then they're like well if he gets to the other side maybe they'll never catch him so it depends on which is more important to them if it's even an option yeah you know maybe they think they could do both they let him through the wall and then they think well now the wall's not a barrier so we can go get him and kill him but his existence even might be a new realization to them they mm-hmm. might know or be aware or be after the the Raven character, mm-hmm. but not even know who Bran is. But but then all of a sudden, when the Night King is like, "Who's this dude? What's going on? Let me. What's up with you? Oh, you're in that tree, huh? There's a Blood Raven. Kill him. <laughs> Maybe we should get that kid. You know, yeah, they, they might yeah. not necessarily know what they're supposed to be doing at this moment either." Uh, I mean, again, I, I kind of wonder in general about what their motivations are. The closest I've come up with, especially with what we saw this last episode, is kill all humans. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I don't even know how purely evil they are any more than sharks are evil. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, or predators. Or how determined or ambitious they are. Do they actively want to cross the wall and kill all mm-hmm. humans? And even if they do want that, do they want to do it as fast as possible, no matter what? Well, you know, eventually. You know, they've been around thousands of years, and they seem to have come out of dormancy in the past 20 years, perspective-wise. Kind of like ending slavery tonight or ending in seven years. Like, slavery's been going on for the history of man. Well, you know, this is kind of shady to say that the people are in slavery at the moment, but what's seven more years? How many people are going to die trying to make it in tonight? Versus the lives we could save and still end it if we stretch out our few yeah, years. Yeah, and of course with that analogy, you want to make sure it sticks too. You can, right, yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, and so, what's the White Walkers' perspective? Do they are they willing to like charge across the wall and have everyone be slaughtered because they didn't realize how much obsidian there was going to be? Or maybe plot this out. Let's wait five or ten years. We've been waiting five thousand years. Let's make yeah. sure we're going to do it right. You'd think they have some uh, patience. <laughs> yeah. And it seems like they do, by the way. Their minions seem to like just mindlessly hoard forward, but they seem to be in the background, observing. Mm-hmm. You know, they never seem to be in a particular rush. They never seem to be particularly concerned. I feel like they have some combination of patience or perspective or a, more of a long-term plan. You know. Yeah, it was. It was. It was during in the hard home scene. They they kind of they stayed out of it until there was a reason to come down, which seems they kind of either figured out that there was obsidian or they saw John with his Valyrian steel blade and were like, okay, that one. Get get yeah. that guy. And it was something that stood out to them. Other and even that, when it, even it was like, get that guy, it wasn't like, oh, and they all charged forward. <laughs> one guy went, slowly, methodically, yeah. lost. The others witnessed that. 
and held their ground. They didn't like, oh, you go now. Three of us all taken. They were like, hmm, interesting. They just took note and and held their ground where they were. You know, Patient they, old wise yeah. beings. So, uh, <laughs> Evil wise beings. Uh, they, they seem calculating enough for me to not want to say they're just tigers and sharks and there's no evilness to them. Yeah. But they also seem to be... I don't know what the word is, aloof or, or calculating. I can't quite think of the right word here, but I, I'm just trying to compare them. Uh, if I could choose between a White Walker being king or Joffrey being king, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like, yeah. if I knew for sure the White Walker's goal was to kill all humans, then I guess Joffrey's better. But I don't know for sure if that's his goal. And also, even if that was his goal, I might... Grow up, get married, have kids, and die before the White Walker gets to me. <laughs> but when Joffrey gets to me, he's going to, like, poke my legs and, you know, drown me to death slowly. Ramsay would torture me meanly. He would, uh, so far, the White Walkers are almost uh, clinical. They just considerate kill. when they can. It's like, dead. You're dead. You know what I mean? You're they dead. don't, like, slowly toy with you to your death and yeah. go after your family members. You yeah, know there's what no mean? torture. Just, there's no, there's not really, they're not about making people suffer as far as we've seen. Right. They're just about they're not that much different agenda, which than is, a tiger in the woods capturing a chipmunk or whatever, you know? They like defend their territory, they eat, but they don't kill things yeah. they don't need to. And obviously I'm not saying that they're good guys. And right. I think they are, it's fair to call them bad guys, antagonists, villains, but I'm not sure if they're evil. Well, you're and you're delving into some another good, good something that's a good segue to another question here that's that's something that that deals with the nature of them. And we talked about earlier in the episode about how maybe there's some sort of they need to have Night's King they had to use a first man who actually had some sort of skin changing device, some sort of green seer abilities already to make him into a walker. It wasn't just any old man they could do that to or any young man. Uh, but so it begs the question, was it somebody important, like not just a random, like a Stark? That would be like a real yeah. like, whoa, the Night's King was a Stark. That's yeah. the kind of thing you could see that being written and, and being like, oh, that's a great surprise to drop on people. Of course. So that's the question. Many, many people ask this question, is Night King a Stark? Uh, no way to know. Again, there's no way to answer that question for sure. But I do think, you know, from a storytelling perspective, from a boy, what a kind of a bomb to drop that would be. And from a... You know the the, ma the magic of the Starks and them having this connection to you know their sigil is their their motto is winter is coming right and yeah. every other motto is like we're great you know like or this is about us but it's this is like a warning all the other houses it's like ours is the fury you know hear me roar you know as high as honor you know they're all just describing stronger yeah this is like a warning it's like a duty like winter is coming that's what you got to remember and that's the toll so there's there's a lot of and the Starks, but and the Starks don't burn their dead either, which is interesting. They bury them in, in the crypts with these swords. It's in, it's really interesting. The, there's definitely some room for that, or for some sort of big reveal as to their true origin. We we think we've learned now. We've seen it's a, a first man converted, but there there could be more to it. It could yeah. go deeper than that. You were just making me wonder what Littlefinger's house words are. Uh, I was also realizing, I can't think of his character's name other than Littlefinger. Well, Baelish. Peter Baelish. Baelish. Peter yeah. Baelish. Thank you. Well, his uh, family is really new. They, I don't think they have words. But they have the sparrow as their sigil. Well, it's Mockingbird. But no, it's Mockingbird? not. That's his okay. personal sigil. Oh, that's just Their original is sigil his is his his grandfather was mm -hmm. a grandfather. I think it's his grandfather. It might be his great-grandfather. But his, it's, it's, one, it's either grandfather or great-grandfather was a sellsword from Bravos that was hired by uh, the by an Aaron. I think it might have... I can't remember which Aaron. But 
that's how they came to the, it might not even been an error. It was hired by a Vale Lord to come fight for some reason and ended up staying there and did well and was granted lands and he took the head of the Titan as a sigil. Okay. Now this is book canon. I don't know if this is, applies to the show or not because some of these things they just copy because it's not, it doesn't matter. You know, it's not like, it, it, it doesn't impact the story who Littlefinger's grandfather was. So I, I assume it's the same in the show. It might not be, but I'm pretty sure it is. Maybe they just play it off as Mockingbird as his sigil, but either, permanently. But yeah. either way, that's a good origin story. He hasn't been around very long. His family is an old blood. And that's part of his character, is trying to be worthy of the noble noble blood. Okay, here's a question from David Stead. What is the point of the High Sparrow? This is me paraphrasing the question a bit and adapting it for the way I want to talk about it. But what is the point of the High Sparrow if he doesn't cause changes to the characters and or the situation in King's Landing? None of these players actually seem capable of dealing with the real threat in the North anyway. So are they kind of... Is this a way to sort of push them aside or to set up their downfall even more? To pave the way for Daenerys, who seems more capable and perhaps more willing. Um, and in general, paving the way for Daenerys seems like, that sort of seems like what's happened in Dorne. And yeah. possibly in other places, um, Iron Islands are trying to welcome her with open arms, but there's obviously two different factions working on that. But they're, other than that, yeah, like, can you imagine Cersei, like, or Jamie? And the, the Tyrells getting together and sending their army to the north to fight the White Walkers? Like, I mean, it, it could happen, but it doesn't, it not doesn't feel right. Soon. Right? right? They're all too not worried about each other. Soon. Like, we send our army north, that exposes us. Like, the Tyrells will attack us if we, you know, or someone yeah. will attack us if we send our army north. They're just, yeah, Cersei's just paranoid. And, and Like, I think if the White Walkers actually come across the wall, conquer Winterfell or maybe the Vale, right? And that, at some point, they're like, oh, Okay. That might get their attention. All right, yeah. Uh, uh, whatever they were worried about the Tyrells doing them, the Tyrells might also be like, oh, hey, let's just get together and fight this wall. You know, something might wake them up. But that hasn't happened yet. Yeah. It, they've even been warned of it and just straight ignored it. So. Well, they not only did they ignore it, they thought it was pragmatic to ignore it. Because they were like, well, if yeah, that happens... Yeah, those Northerners fight it. They'll take the brunt of it. Then we'll come clean up. At the time, up. it was Stannis, too. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. yeah, let Stannis deal with that. You know, let the wall deal with that. It's not our problem. And if it, it's, if it, if it hurts our enemies, it's good for us. Yeah, they were at war with the North, and the North will be hit by it first. Yeah, they're so like, why is the North invade, getting invaded bad for us in the South when they're trying yeah. to break free into their independent kingdom? Like, yeah, that seems, that seems like a plus. Of course, they don't really know what they're dealing with. But <laughs> <laughs> speaking of, Simon Hatch... Actually, did you have any more on that? Or is that? Do you think that there's any uh, indication that maybe things will turn that can maybe maybe set well, things aside? It is a good point. Like, why have the sparrow come along yeah. if it's not going to change anything? You know, uh, uh, I mean, we I, have had plot lines that didn't necessarily seem to advance the greater plot. They were just yeah. distractions, like Danny getting her dragon stolen in season two. That just didn't. Yeah, that that's pretty forgettable. It was like an adventure, but it does not tie into the, the main arc. And that's not a slam on Danny. That's just you know that's just a random yeah. thing I picked out. That didn't seem to go anywhere. Generally, it does seem. I, I think many other people kind of feel that Danny and uh, John sort of have plot armor. That the long that they are ice and fire, and the long term they're going to come to a head. And in the meantime, we watch all this drama in King's Landing, or wherever else is playing out. And uh, it does seem like though that so, so on a certain level, you need to kind of like delay Danny coming into power until the moment is ready in King's in, in Westeros and yeah. delay John or delay the invasion of the White Walkers. These things need to be put off till you have this moment of convergence. But 
Or if you're also delaying what's going on in King's Lane, if everything's being delayed, what's it being delayed for? You know, so, <laughs> uh, I do feel like there should be some big impact that comes from it, which might be a thing I've kind of speculated on already, hmm. which would also be an excuse to show off Casterly Rock, would be for the Lannisters to have to flee. For King's Lane, you just fall into riots, and they're just in a panic. The Tyrells and Lannisters just have to get out of there. Uh, maybe some even get killed on the way out, you know, um, Hmm. And in a retreat to King's Land, to uh, King's Land, to uh, Castle Rock, and then we get to see that slice of this world. Like That'd be we've cool. seen Winterfell, and we've seen Dorne, and we've seen the Winter, the the, the Water Gardens. We're about to see uh, the Citadel, and and even Sam's home. There's all these different locations and productions and stuff in this world that we're getting to see. And Castle Rock is maybe one of the top three or five, at least, most important locations in this world. And it's the one we haven't seen anything from. So <laughs> I, I kind of expect slash hope that we King's Landing will just <laughs> fall. Because I, I can't really predict much else, what else is going to happen other than nothing. Which, like, this person's kind of saying, why would they do all this for nothing? So King's Landing just falls in a disarray. And then we get to see Casterly Rock. And it also leaves it to Danny to come re-secure King's it does Landing. Fit. It does fit, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so next question. That's a great question by David Stead there. Simon Hatch wants to know, he's fast, kind of fast-forwarding to the ending of the entire story here and asking maybe if the Free Folk will kind of turn it around and be restocking the wall as members of the Night's Watch. Maybe not as taking... Maybe not, they won't take the oath because maybe things will change. Maybe there'll be some new, new situations, new rules will be written. And maybe they won't need to. Maybe there won't be a wall, for one thing. Yeah, I, I kind of don't think the entire wall comes down, but boy, would that be an epic thing to do. I hope not. That's People have brought that up a few times in the past. And so much for it to come down completely. Maybe a giant hole in it or something. That's right. I, I, reaching the wall is one thing. Yeah. Right? Even just the gate. One giant was able to get, just barely, didn't make it to that gate. Yeah. Right? And maybe if the wall was better stocked, he wouldn't have even come close. But what if it was four giants? Can the White Walkers bring giants? We haven't seen it yet, but can there be a giant other? You know, like, I would that think would so. be something to. Be, I would think so. <laughs> that would. That's like I just feel like one giant is just a tide turner. It's just like that. He's got to be worth like fifty, a hundred men, maybe. maybe even more. Maybe. You know what I mean? Maybe, just, especially if they're willing to be borderline suicidal. Like if they are willing to just charge into the front line, because even if they charge in and kill fifty men and die. That distraction on the front line and those 50 men dying for the rest of the army to move in, it's worth more than just those 50 yeah, men. Does that make good, sense? Yeah, that's it's, true. Uh, Speaking of that gate, Gren held the gate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So long ago. That's what Gren means, held the gate. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty cool. We gotta, he, did he, Hodor did you, wasn't the first one. Oh, well, he was he the first one because it was before. Or was it after? Was it before? <laughs> uh, I'm confusing myself. Yeah, it was both. It was both before and after Grant. I think that for the wall to come down, I, I, again, I can accept that there's like magic involved. And I might have mentioned some of this before, but I think if the White Walkers have that power to just bring that wall down, if they're that powerful. That's then, pretty powerful. Then A, <laughs> what if they don't even need this stupid army. They don't need a bunch of zombies. You know what I mean? I think that level of power is greater than thousands and thousands of zombies. You know what I mean? especially when you consider that maybe it's just magical and you bring it down and just, just disintegrates into nothing, right? But if it's made out of ice 
I think it's made out of ice, right? Magic might be holding it together or brought it forth in the first place, but it's real ice. Very right? thick. That <laughs> amount, that volume would be like a natural disaster. I, if maybe everyone in Westeros would die. Hmm. They wouldn't need a single soul. Just the, that amount of water and the mudslides created and the flooding just sweeping across Westeros might just destroy everyone without a sword being I doubt being it would get drawn, all the way you know? that far south, but it could be, yeah. I mean, I agree the destruction, the level of destruction would be massive. Yeah. And it, would, it, would, it might be like what happened in, at Mount Kaelin, where it was, there was a castle built there, and then at some point there's massive flooding and turned into a big swamp, and it's un, kind of uninhabitable, and the castle is not entirely destroyed, but messed up pretty badly. Something like that, yeah. Like, it would, it would ruin I mean, it's the, massive. The it's seven, an yeah. ocean it's, of it, it's, water it's, locked up in that wall. It's... It's kind of hundreds of miles large. across, right? Yeah, it's like three hundred miles long. Three hundred miles long, seven hundred feet tall. Seven hundred feet tall, <laughs> like I don't know, fifty feet thick or something. I, mean, I don't know. That's how thick a it is. massive amount of water. It's insane. That's yeah. huge. That I believe that it's, would be. I mean, it wouldn't have to be water. Though. It could just be continent. chunks of ice, I guess. But you know, yeah, maybe would... just chunks of ice just like collapse all in place, and it doesn't. But why would they need to bring melting. the whole thing down anyway? All, like right, say, all and that's what I'm saying. Plane, they just, just need to go just... through a section, the gate that's already there. Uh, yeah, I... I mean, we saw the Walker, the King, like break the ice at the beginning of that scene. He like yeah. put his hand down, but that was just like that was that was kind of random. He didn't do anything else with that, but it, it did kind of cause a little earthquake. But it was pretty small. And if that's the extent of what he can do, he only did it the one time. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm guessing you're right. Like you said, it would be a little much for him to just be able to like knock the wall down. It's like, well, this didn't work. This was yeah. built to keep him out. And he yeah. just why did they build hand. that whole wall? I think just bring it all down. Like you know, <laughs> like, well, many things built... about it made me just believe that that's not happening. We should be like, oh, like why do we build a wall of ice to keep out ice beings? Yeah, we should have built a wall of fire. fire. Damn, it was stupid. <laughs> seven hundred <Yeah>. feet. Tall. <laughs> like I don't know how you keep a seven hundred foot wall of fire though. Yeah. I don't sure, know how to do the ice. I'm pretty either. sure, similarly, <laughs> it would be a natural catastrophe that would destroy the world. <laughs> the <only laughs> smoke in the air would block out sunlight for the plants to grow. It would be the end of the civilization. Okay, let's look at some questions on the Q and A app. Here we have a question from uh, Galby the Pale Blade. Here we have uh, now, as you can see, if you're watching on YouTube. You can see the question up there in the corner now. That is why we prefer you guys to use the Q&A button, the Q&A feature on the Google Plus event page where this event was announced because it allows for the upvoting and allows for us to show it on screen like this. Isn't that nice? If you're listening on, on iTunes, well, this, this, is doesn't, this is transparent to you. But hey, we prefer it that way. Either way, the question is, are we now to believe there are no more children of the forest? I, I kind of think so. I don't think so. I mean, I, I kind of, well, let me, let me rephrase that. I kind of think that they're not going to be much or at all of a role in the show anymore. Fair. But I'm not sure about that even. I, I sort of expect them to like come to Bran's aid. I, mm. I feel like there's... Unless he's... Unless that doorway was an entrance to some other magical place where the White Walkers can't get, they are still, I think, in imminent danger that a girl dragging a boy's body is not going to be able to fend off, right? And we even kind of speculated that maybe Benjamin Stark will show up. I don't think he can do it either. You know, mm. one guy is going to fight off this horde of monsters. You know what I mean? Like, I, maybe he can scoop Bran off and run him away. With Is he ready for this? Like, does he have an extra horse with him that, with a saddle built for Bran to ride in? And mere, like, I don't see. So I, I almost feel like there's got to be some children's forest coming to the rescue here. Mm. Uh, okay. And, yeah, we'll, we'll, we shall and see. And even if their population is extremely diminished, it's they haven't ever really said and I assume that they're just this last few, you know, but 
perspective-wise, even if the, the last few was only 20, if there was only 1,000, that's still a really small population. I think, mm-hmm. I, I wish I knew a little bit better, but like mm-hmm. in, in our world of biology, of scientists like declaring a species endangered or whatever, I bet an endangered species probably has thousands and thousands and thousands do, in yeah, their I population, mean, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I... They they may even there may even be a thousand children of the forest, but they may be spread out. Some of them might be old. They might not be organized. Yeah. Uh, there might only be twenty, and if there's only twenty, then there's still like thirteen more that we don't know about. And uh, I think it one. It, I, th- I almost think they need to be there to save Bran. Uh, and two, I think they're cool. I'd like to see more of them. I, <laughs> I want to learn more of their story and see more of their interactions. You know, yeah. So. I think one other consideration that, as far as why I think they may not be back or back very little, is is budget. You know, they, those prosthetics are expensive, and putting those actors in costume. Plus, they killed the main one. Anyway, I think you make some good points. I'm a little uh, down. I'm, I'm a little more pessimistic about the chances, but I, I It's one of those things. If I set my expectations low, I can only be happy. <laughs> I can either be right or I can be happy and wrong. Because I, I am with you. I would love to see more of them. Okay, from Darren Tucker, Knight of the Forums. Do you think there is a chance that the Three-Eyed Raven is Bran? In Season 3, Jojen tells Bran you can't kill the Three-Eyed Raven, you know. Bran asks, why not? Jojen says, because the Raven is you. And I don't know if that how far we can take that metaphor. Now, I explained a few things mm-hmm. about why this is kind of different, why what happened with Bran was kind of in the past, manipulating the past, was semi-unique because of... The whole way that he was connected to the Weirwood network and his, you know, when he was pulled away, he didn't wake up like he did all the other times. So something was different about the state he was in. And it was because Three-Eyed Raven was trying to give him all this information at once. Or because uh, he was putting him in the spot where he knew he needed to be to make everything come full circle. Time travel stuff. We had some, we, we actually got a quote from a, in our Book to Show episode, uh, some theoretical physicists have weighed in on this Uh, and it's not a paradox it's just this is this is somewhat along the lines of what modern a lot of modern theoretical physicists think is true it's like you can't erase things from the past you create a new timeline yeah so the both things are true yeah yeah more like uh yeah like i definitely developed that thought it was at least part of something i was reading at some point when i was young mixed up with my own crazy thoughts and probably something i saw in a movie but that there's sort of like it's almost incomprehensible incomprehensibly infinite number of timelines that are going on yeah always and and that anything that could be varied in any way is or was or will be or has been just on some different timeline yeah and it's just infinite different timelines that account for all the possibilities of anything that could ever happen in history and it when you travel in time what you're really doing you're not going back on your timeline you're going over to some other timeline where you went back, or someone went back, or you know, yeah. does that make sense? That you don't actually change this timeline; you just travel to a different one where time was changed. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yes. And the other one keeps going as if it wasn't, and then there's this different timeline where things go having been changed. So you're saying there's a parallel universe where Joffrey is still alive, and no, <laughs> just go from there. Just John, no, 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 and no. all the other parallel universes, Joffrey's alive. still dead. He just got killed in different ways, <laughs> in progressively nastier ways. So the answer is, it's definitely possible. I'm, I'm kind of down on the 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 idea that it's this the loop thing, for lack of a better word, is that big of a loop that it's that tight that this this character is in two multiple yeah. timelines at once at the same time. 
that's a bit much for me. But hey, just because it's not my preference doesn't mean it can't yeah. be true. It is interesting to think that at some point way in the future, you know, Bram becomes an old man and knows he has to get young himself into this scenario and he knows he has to do it because he already did it and he yeah. has to keep doing it again. It's, I don't even want to saw Misfits. Anyone seen that TV show Misfits? Remember there was sort oh, yeah. of a loop like that with one of those yeah, characters? That's right. and, um there's another movie, uh but oh, this is a good hey, can we take a tangent here? Sure. Uh because we're gonna talk about our favorite time Okay, actually movies. we'll we'll uh we'll move on from this after question break and, and talk we'll about come back to do just that. Time travel yes. movies, all right. Okay. All right, Sean, so go ahead. What is your all right, favorite so, time travel movie? I'm 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 hesitant to name favorite or even use the word favorite versus best or greatest or most worst walk most yeah. worth watching. But I want to lend list some contenders because some of this is fun to think about. Like, what is a time travel movie? <laughs> and some of them are like, oh, I guess that one. Like, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure was that a time, is a time travel, travel movie. You know? Back to the yeah. Future. Back to the Future. Uh, yeah. Kind of more recently, Edge of Tomorrow was a kind of a Groundhog Dayish kind of one okay. with uh, Ooh, Tom Cruise. Uh, Austin Day Powers. Kind of is itself. Austin oh, Powers. Right. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> uh, that's funny. <laughs> um, there was one, uh, Run Lola Run, which yeah, I, I think there might be a debate. It was a German movie, and it wasn't really about time travel at all, but it's kind of this threefold story that reoccurred. I don't know. Is it, anyone who's seen it might know why I'm wanting to name that one, but I think the ones that were like probably the best known and, and would be best respected picks are uh, Terminator. That's probably like one of the biggest main ones. Army Darkness, by the way, time travel. Yeah, yeah, oh, great uh, classic one. Yeah, there's two. Uh, I don't know how I'm gonna pick a favorite out of these. I did say yeah. Primer. I thought, but that's yeah. just because I think Primer is the most like maybe realistic time travel yeah. movie. But it's not like a fun. It's the one I was gonna movie. name next, and I think I put it number two. It's a and, mind melter. You just yeah. like, ah, oh, what? I don't. How did that work? Oh, it's just you think about it, and it just. Mm, the brain, first time I saw it, melts. I saw it with a friend who's like a film buff and he saw it and came to me and said sean i saw this movie and kind of confused i think it's really good but i want you to watch it but pay attention it's confusing <laughs> so i went to watch it with that preface with him watching a second time and we came out of the movie like i'm really confused i'm so confused what did you like oh it was really good okay and we got rudy our friend and he, he, we warned him all right we both saw this we're both so confused watch it with us to come out of the movie with rudy he's like i don't know what was going on there <laughs> like if you see it be ready to take notes and watch it a second time it's really cool but my favorite one it's 12 Monkeys. Okay, I cool. think that movie is Bruce Willis's best movie. We talked about 12 Monkeys in the Book of Show episode. Like, yeah, and yep, I brought that up. Cool. Yeah, yep, I think it's Brad Pitt's best movie. Uh, oh, yeah. He's with really the good director, man. too. He's he's known. He Terry Gilliam. Terry. I think it's Terry Gilliam's best yeah. movie. I think it's a really good... It's easy when you hear like Brad Pitt and Bruce Willis think some kind of action blockbuster... Yeah, you would, yeah, no, no nothing really like that kind of a dark, yeah. gritty drama. Very dark. Very, uh, very intriguing. You know, there's a TV uh, show for it now? I do. I haven't it's, seen I, it. I don't I'm scared. I don't want it to spoil my... Perception of the movie. It's basically set in the same world, but not. It doesn't really deal with the story from the movie. Apparently, that's just what I've heard, though. I don't know if that's mm -hmm. true. Anyway, we should uh, move, get back to yeah. Song of Ice and Fire, Game well, of Thrones here. Yeah, talking about that because uh, the idea of the loop that might have been caused by Bran going back in time to get himself mm -hmm. to become himself and doing it only because he knew he had to do it because he had gone through it. You know that I don't know if that's a paradox or loop or whatever mm -hmm. you want to call it, but I think that's a neat idea. But it might be simpler than that. It might just be that the raven is a position. Mm. And you are the person of that. Does that mean kind of mm. like the... Could be. Could especially be. like if the president is dying of cancer and they know he's got 14 hours to live or whatever. You know, well, the vice president, you're the president, sir. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah, well, yeah. technically, no, no, we know what's going on. You're the president. <laughs> yeah. you know? And that might have been... Because Jojen, we know, can't see the future. Mm -hmm. So if he knew that 
mm. Rand was going to be the Raven, telling him that he's the Raven doesn't yeah. mean that you are the same man as the Raven, but you are the same role, you're the same yeah. position. Yeah, you know? yeah, that's kind of the interpretation I favor. Could be both. But yeah, things, we, it's, you know? it could be both. Absolutely. Okay, let us move on to the next question here from Straw Man. So we'll have to not answer the question you asked to <laughs> properly handle a straw man argument here. No, just kidding. Christian Nairn was quoted saying that Hodor was cognizant and in control of himself, holding the door in his last moments, aware of his sacrifice. I saw it this way initially. I do also see the validity of a more gray interpretation. What say all of you? I'll let you start first there. Uh, I had said this already, that I wanted him to be deciding on his own to do it but that it was unclear to me. Mm. And I felt like the default was Bran was controlling him, and most people I've talked to felt that same way. But when I made my arguments, people, no one was ever like, no, definitely not for this reason. It seems great, even if I didn't necessarily convince someone that it's different, they couldn't convince me that it wasn't that way. Uh, he was absolutely had the flash of white in his eyes that shows Bran is taking him over in the current story and in the vision. Definitely. So, but which, which kind of makes it seem that Bran has taken him over, but... But how long does he take... Yeah, he like, could let him Bran go, Bran took yeah. him over two seasons ago. Has he been controlling him this whole time? At yeah, you're right. At what point does release it him. release, you know? Yep. Maybe he controls him long enough to to initiate an action, to convey uh, a plan, yeah. and then leaves, you know? Or was forced out or something, because yeah. it, was, it was all very... You know, he was in a... Things were hectic, and he wasn't away. He didn't wake up. Yeah. Know? So he's not fully conscious, etc., so I think if if Hodor was fully in control, that it makes Hodor more of a hero, mm -hmm. and that Absolutely. if Bran was in control, then it makes Bran more of a tragic hero. Although yeah. maybe that's not quite right for that. No, tragic hero is kind of very specific. Makes it more tragic. Yeah. Uh, for the action he had to take as a hero, much like John is more tragic of a char character after having killed uh, Ollie. Oh, I was going to say Janice Slint. <laughs> <laughs> Ollie, yeah. Sure, that's what, Jolly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But either way, I think we'll find that out because I doubt Bran's just not going to react. He's not going to just have a chance. I'm sure he's going to have a chance to, to lament what he's done. Yeah. You know, yeah. his decision. Maybe. Maybe he's going to stay in a coma. Yeah. <laughs> wow, yeah. And he'll just have a And give dream. us all kinds of visions of the past. Show us all the answers. <laughs> he'll have to dream apologize. <laughs> Who wants Bran's sacrifice... Once Bran's character to be sacrificed <laughs> to learn all the history of Westeros. <laughs> Who is willing to have his character just be stuck in a coma for now on? I am. Right. <laughs> He's not a real person. <laughs> I'm not inflicting anything. Okay, next question. Okay, here's here's an opportunity for us to really speculate. This is just kind of fun here. Questions from 1998 Champions, regular contributor. What do you think the closing credits will be for season six? Danny Landing in Westeros? Knight's King and his army at the wall are coming through the wall or something else entirely. I do think that Danny, at least heading for Westeros, will be part of the end of the season. I really don't think the season's going to end with her not coming towards Westeros or not around. I don't think she'll get there, but I think she might leave for Westeros. Arriving there, I could see that, but I think they, I think I just. I lean towards her leaving, but I also think that something epic, like, I mean, I, I'm not a big fan of the possibility that the wall will come down, but if they're going to breach the wall, season, you know, the last episode of the season would be a great time to do that. You know, it might be a better time to do that, though. Hmm. The first episode of the next season. Sure. If they've already broken through the wall at the end of this season, it's hard to start off exciting next season. 
But it will be pretty exciting to have the zombie army assembled outside the wall. Oh, to see, you're like, what's going to happen? Are they going to break the wall? Are they going to get through? You're just kind of left. John looking over the edge, or Ranz, or Davos, or Melisandre, whoever, looking over the edge, seeing all these zombies approach, seeing the Night's King look up, you know? Yeah. I think, and and it, boom, fade to black, you know? (laughs) Like, that. I think that would be an, an ending that will leave people pumped and excited, and it allows for the next season to begin with action. Right, and so. I do think that this question is well phrased that in that I definitely agree that it will be something to do with the Night King and John and the wall or something to do with Daenerys. Yeah. I think those are uh, the two those are the two main options that, that, that doubt it's gonna be anyone else, but it could of course it could be. But connected to that I think you get a good uh parallel is not quite the right word I want to use, but uh motif, I don't know. Uh but if you have this army assembling outside the wall, yeah, and you have a navy assembling, mm-hmm. you know, either whether it's Danny's Navy heading out or showing up on the coast or maybe maybe even I don't know how much they'll drag out Yara and Euron because maybe it'll be their uh, <laughs> what <laughs> maybe you said be, you were going to call him Euron and yeah. uh, that's, maybe it'll be that's their their Navy showing up at Marine right maybe. yeah mm-hmm. uh, yes so especially that would be particularly epic if it was like. As the slave cities are conquered, oh, you know what I mean? yeah, it's like she's, she brings the colossar down. Here comes and, uh, a, yeah. a fleet. There's still five more episodes, and she's already got control of the colossar. So that's why I think it it could go a little farther than that. But but you know, they occasionally have her not in an episode at all. Actually, yeah. have they done that this year? I don't know if she. I think she. Might, no, I think she, she might not have been in one of the episodes. She's either been in four or all five. I think that she's been in every episode this season. I think uh, you're right. But there have definitely been many episodes, many seasons, episodes and seasons past where she wasn't. Yeah, so they could leave her out of an episode in order to buy themselves some time to fit that all in. But yeah, that is that is an argument against it slightly because of where she's at now. She's already marching south, and yeah. Well, we'll see. Good, good, very good question there. Another question from Darren Tucker, Knight of the Red. One of the highest upvoted questions here. Prediction on major deaths this season. Will a Stark or Lannister die this season? Okay, uh, in our book to show episodes, every week we do what's called a worry of the week and an oh, armored yeah. in plot, which where okay. we, we say worry of the week is like this is someone we're worried about, someone we think might die soon. We have we we also talk about who we think might die later, but it's mostly focused on the ones we think we die in the next episode or two. So this is sort of along those lines, especially if it's we're talking Starks, because that would be a worry with a Lannister. Well, it depends on which Lannister. I might be like, go ahead, kill them, Tyrion. Tyrion, do not kill him. <laughs> Tommen, I mean, I I don't think there's a lot of hope for Tommen. I don't want him to die, but I mean, are we really going to end this? Is Game of Thrones going to end with Tommen on the throne? Probably not. <laughs> Probably, Probably not. not. It could and be. And you can imagine that being part of like King's Landing falling apart. Yeah. And Cersei and Jamie just getting out of there, like literally Jamie like scooping Cersei up and running her off, one handed. As yeah, as Tommen's <laughs> just been killed and. Red keeps going up in flames, you know. With the prophecy of Tom and dying too, there's yeah. that. Like there's that. Yeah. There's just a lot of going against him. I mean, you gotta think maybe he could be dethroned and still live somehow. Let's, but yeah. Can we come back to this in one second? Because I, I want this is gonna lead me into something else I want to talk about. But let's talk about other death predictions first. Sure. Okay. Right? Uh, first of all, I don't think that a Stark's gonna die this season. I'll say that. So Rickon's one is most in danger. So you'd say like if Rickon lives, then that means that John's obviously he's already come back from death. Sansa dying, I agree with you. Arya dying, no way. Let me be Arya honest. The season, Let me really be honest. So. I forgot about Rickon. Okay, Rickon might die. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but I think there's uh, there's pretty much no way that John, as far as Starks, who have had a major role. <laughs> yeah, Rickon's not had a major role. 
Uh, let's see. Uh, Lannisters, I, I think Tommen might might die. Uh, you ran, I think I'd rank him most likely. But I don't likely. think Jamie Tyrion Besides Kevin. you're going to. Kevin also Kevin also might die. Like, and Lancel. Yeah. Oof. Lancel, yeah. There's okay. a lot of Lannisters Lan- that could die. A Lannister die. might die. A Lannister <laughs> might die. I feel like Jamie's not dying. Cersei's not dying, although she may die. I think she'll die eventually, but probably not this season. But yeah, Lancel, Tommen, Kevin. That's it. That's, that's all the Lannisters, I think. Besides Tyrion, who's also not dying, I don't think. So that's that's three out of six. Yeah, three out of six, I think, of six Lannisters that, that I think are very likely yeah. to, to get it this season in one way or another. Uh, let's see. You think Jorah's dying? Jorah Mormon. No, uh, well... I know. I think he's safe for now. As long as he has grayscale, he's safe. Which is a weird thing to say, but it's kind of like Jamie. When Jamie got his hand cut off, he became safe. Yeah. Because it began his redemption arc, and you don't kill a character during the redemption arc. You could. That'd be a, 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 quite a way to invert a trope. But you know, you don't predict that. You don't predict yeah, that a right. character in the yeah, middle of redemption arc is going to die. So uh, you just like Theon getting his penis cut off. He's safe for now. <laughs> he's also safe from procreation. Um, but yeah, so I, I think that that's a, a big thing. Like, his, his this grayscale arc, something is happening here, and it has to play out, so he can't die before that. There are lots of, I don't know how long, we could probably just spend the whole episode talking about this. Like, like, every single character. Rins, Tormund, yeah. Podrick, da-da-da-da. Uh, so, Podrick, I guess maybe it's yeah. more worth sticking to, to the main characters. Uh, I, I, I killed him people Sparrow. this season High already. Sparrow. Who's gonna, is he Highsparrow going to die this season? I don't think so. Okay. I, I think, think he will, so. but I don't think it's going to be soon. I think it'll be towards the end of the season. What about what about um, Ramsey? Well, I think I asked you that one already. I don't think he's going to die Okay, this I do think he's going to die this season. Um, who else do we have? Let's see. How about... I buy your reason, though. I do like the idea yeah. that you that Theon, that Urine steps in for Ramsey. For Ramsey. What about Dario? Dario was something that we thought was... I thought Dario was in big trouble going on this mission with Jorah because Jorah, I knew, I figured he was safe because of the grayscale. And See, it's I was the other right way around. I yeah, thought I that Jorah would put that, himself yeah. into dangerous situations because he knew he was dying anyway and Dario would come back to deliver the tragic news. Mm. Uh, I don't know. This is kind of a negative thing to say, but I don't care if Dario dies. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> Okay. It's just not quite deep or intriguing enough for me, you know. Yeah. Maybe I'm jealous because he gets to sleep with Danny. <laughs> <laughs> what about some of the other? What's more like Varus? Varus, I don't think he's going to die. Yeah, I kind of don't He doesn't put himself in harm's way too much, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. What about like Masande? Is she. Some people thought maybe Masande was a little bit. could be killed off because Varus and Tyrion have stepped in as advisors and they're like older and more senior and, and more yeah. experienced. And she might they have connections to Westeros where she, she does doesn't not. realize someone yeah. might want to assassinate her or try to get close to Danny and she might be in the way. And it's kinda of the same reason they killed off Barristan. It's like he didn't have as much to do anymore. Yeah. Masande yeah. is Masande has plenty to do right now. She's the kind of the voice of reason along with Grey Worm though. There's someone else is doing yeah. it. So there's kind of two people. No, 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 no. she's well. the voice of emotion. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I, she's, the voice of experience, the voice, the voice of emotional reason, emotional reason, yeah. <laughs> a no, voice of reason, not yeah, she's the voice, voice of reason. reason. Yeah, you're right. She's she, both of them have are very reasonable, but they also have obviously have a lot of emotion about this current, yeah. this, this last thing yeah. that they were involved in, which is being slaves, of course. That like they even pointed out, like on uh, that they are judging us from a more personal perspective. Because yes. Tyrion tried to say, hey, I mean, I was taking slave recently. I know what this yeah, that is was like. The wrong argument. And they're like, there. no, 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 you don't know, you know. Yeah. But, which on one <laughs> hand, they're correct to point that out. But Tyrion's also correct to point out, like, we shouldn't have people this close making a decision. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know, the 
the football coach doesn't get to to review the the offsides penalty. You know yeah, what right? I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You get the neutral referees <laughs> who aren't don't have a stake in the game. You know. Okay, we should move on from that. We spent plenty of time on talking about who might die. Well, here, no, I wanted that to, to lead into something else. Oh, okay, go for uh, it. If Tom dies, mm-hmm. and I can't believe I haven't talked more about this. Yeah, who and takes I feel over? like we probably did talk about it a little bit. Who takes over? What happens? Well, that that like, is a tough question. There is no even. there is no obvious answer because there well, is no other Baratheon. Right, there's yeah. no Baratheon to inherit. Like I, 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 as I thought about it, I, I feel like it's like right. There's no Baratheon except first of all, that's not true. Well, Gendry, Gendry is out is a, there. Gendry's not a bastard. Is a bastard. He's not a Baratheon, but he could be legitimized. But 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 he. They don't know he's out long, there, right? But say <laughs> they did. Say he showed up. Would it, who else has a more legitimate claim than him? It, like maybe it, because he's a bastard, doesn't have a legitimate claim. But who's the other person with a legitimate claim that's saying, "No, you don't. It's me." Like who is the other person that would even attempt to claim it? It would be a cousin or something that we haven't heard of. But it does. It doesn't matter. There is yeah. when you get to the point where right. there's an uncertain claim, there is no claim. There Which, is right, that's what I kind of realized <laughs> is what would what would happen. I think is probably Cersei would just try to seize control. Maybe Kevin, maybe the two of them together, right? Someone who's pretty much you know possession nine tenths of the law. Mm-hmm. Someone who's already there would make some move at least temporarily to be in charge, yes. and then later on they could have a kid or hire a person or sweet talk some other ally or whatever they would have to do or win a war or something. But I, I was just trying to think of what, per, aside from the technical theory, given that it would go to some sort of, you know, might makes right scenario, who would have the well, most might? Who would be the person? Like, if Cersei tried to claim it, there isn't Jamie any would obvious, back that. There is would no Kevin obvious answer. He, Kevin would back that uh, probably because it's his, it's his family and it's what Tywin would want probably. But here's the thing. There's another possibility that's not a non-violent possibility. Now, this is This is something from... That sort of comes from the books. It's not really from the books. It's mostly just from a history perspective, and it's a, we can assume the show kind of works similarly. Which is that sometimes when there's no claimant, they call what's called, they have what's called a grand uh, a great council. And there's been in, in the books there's been three of them, I believe, in the history of, of since since the conquest, and maybe there's just only two. I think it's just two. Actually, it doesn't matter. <clears throat> in any case, it's, it's come up a few times. And they make a decision because they're it's, the things are stable enough that they're able to like have a lot of people weigh in and kind of nominate. It's almost semi democratic, of course. It's yeah. a very limited group of people that are that have the that can be nominated. But that's how they handle it. Uh, it, it, it but if it, I mean that can turn to violence if you know one side doesn't like the treatment they're getting. But it, in, it but it has resolved peacefully in the past. So perhaps that's what we faced with here. Yeah, uh, Marjorie is another potential. I mean, obviously, right now she's not in a good position to do it, but she is. Technically, right now, the queen. Yeah, she could right? be since she was married to the to the king. That's an argument. Yeah, yeah. And she would have to take, but she would still like, have to take a, a new husband, and then that their kids would be the new. But for example, heirs. say it wasn't so extreme or obvious, right? What if Tommen was out hunting, went on went to, to check out the wall? What if he got wounded and et cetera, et cetera? Marjorie, except that she's in jail right now. Marjorie would be in charge. Right? Not really. Kevin would, would be in charge. No, there would be no one. There, I mean, it's, it's there is no one in charge. Like it's, when Robert Baratheon was wounded, mm-hmm. Ned was in charge. Yeah, because he's the hand. But remember, but he was in charge because they had a powerful council. Ned was strong. Right. The current small council is not very strong because they yeah. they can't even control. Like because Cersei and Jamie have you know kind of one up them a few times. They've kind of manipulated them somewhat, and they don't work together. These things aren't set by these rules. The rules. Yeah. All, the, all these people are above the rules. The rules are the rules, but all these people are above them. And they do what they can get away with. 
they do what they can. They they push their power comes first here. Maybe Steven Seagal will be the king. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't considered that. Actually, now that you mention it, absolutely. That's who's next. It's, it's it was Joffrey, Tommen, Steven Seagal. That's the proper laws of ascension. Okay, so let's move on. Let's talk about here. We have another question from Galvi Celestin. Will we see the rest of the Tower of Joy? That was actually asked by several people, not just Galvi, but the name here is Galvi. So this is the person who gets the question answered. But it was a popular question to be answered. I really, I think so. Um, I have a few reasons that are slightly spoilery, so I won't say them, that I think it will happen. But they have to reveal, maybe it won't be the Tower of Joy, but we'll find out what happened. I don't think we have to know what... We have to be told one way or another about John's parentage. It's not going to be left hanging. I guess, yeah. I just really don't think it can be left hanging. I think it's really too important. I do remember at one point talking to people like earlier on when I was kind of getting into Game of Thrones and realizing and piecing together all the clues about who John's parents were and and talking to other people about it, you know, whether getting their perspective or people who hadn't considered it, getting them to consider it, you know. And... uh, and having the thought that it's possible that that it's true, and that we never really quite know. Like, think of how many other things <laughs> in 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 your life that that like are ongoing or mysterious or secrets or whatever. That sure. if you were to die, no one would ever know. There would just be a bit <laughs> yep, of yep. knowledge in the universe. It just wasn't. Not, and how many other things in this show, even secrets that were known or vows that were made or plans that were uh in production that a person got killed and no one else knows and it'll never be resolved you know what i mean so it doesn't i don't know if it necessarily has to be resolved i I feel like it will i feel like they put enough into it but i don't i don't think it's a given i thought it was a given going into this season and now i'm not so sure i'm gonna do like we normally do here uh, for our regular episodes and say we'll spend the last 10 minutes or so of this episode Covering, a, there were a few questions that were that referenced trailers and and next ons and things like that. So as usual, we don't want to spoil those things, but we will talk about them with fair warning. So we can come back to this Tower Joy issue a little bit near the end. We'll, we'll come back to it because there are a few more things I want to say, but they're too right. spoilery for now. Okay. Question from not Jeff Goldblum: Is it possible Mira picked up Dark Sister in the cave before leaving, or was that just Hodor's Iron Sword from the crypt? Dark Sister is a Valyrian steel blade that was used by Visenya, who was the elder sister wife of Aegon the Conqueror himself. Valyrian steel blade, obviously very, very powerful. Um, this the, the blade has been mentioned a few times in the show. It has kinda, been mentioned, just kind of offhand. Okay, and, but I really don't think so. The there's a reason to suspect Dark Sister might be in the cave in book canon, but I don't see because the three eyed Raven character has changed so much, apparently from the book version. I don't. I don't think we can make that connection. And I don't think they made it a big enough deal. Just this random sword being picked up. I think they would have shown it. Or if it is, it'll become clear because we'll, she'll use it or we'll see it. And it will yeah. clearly not be. It'll be a special looking sword. If it's just some regular looking sword, I, I don't. I really don't think so. I but. sort of expect she'll have some special weapon. Whether I remember there was a scene when at the entrance to the cave there were like a row of spears. Yeah. That I'm assuming had obsidian heads. Mm-hmm. So she might have. Uh, I kind of hope and expect that she'll have some special weapon. But it still might kill one White Walker or a couple zombies, but not the whole horde. Uh, And I feel like the fact that when you mentioned that, I was like, what? Dark Sister? (laughs) Oh, some sword from the book. uh." (laughs) I don't mean to blow, so I don't mean to be quite so negative, but I don't feel like... 
I'm a fan of this show. Yeah. <laughs> like, I've got all kinds of notes, and I didn't know what you are talking about. So I feel like they, they, this is probably not something they're featuring. Let me say how obscure it's not it meaningful enough. Let me say just know? how obscure it is. We did an episode on it, on Dark Sister, a standalone episode on it. It was an hour long. We usually are able to do two hours. So that, that's how obscure it is. We couldn't even do more than an hour yeah. on it. But it's never mentioned in the books. It's only in the external canon, like the history book. Oh, really? Some of the, some okay. of the prequel stories. Yeah. It's mentioned. It's never mentioned in the actual main five books, but it is mentioned on the show. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. So All it's right. mentioned by, I believe it's mentioned by Arya when she's talking to Tywin in Harrenhal. Because they talk, talk about, like, do you know your history? And you know, yeah. she's like, Dad, she mentions Queen Visenya had Dark Sister. Something like that. I think that's when it was mentioned. So it's kind of funny that it was, that we did an episode on it for book viewers, <laughs> book readers. But it's never actually mentioned in the books. And it is mentioned in the show. <laughs> but barely. So you hear that book readers? You're going to get a show spoiled for you. I, I do, also, I want to be clear. I do think it's neat that these swords have histories. And yeah. they have this character and uh, so on. Uh, I, I, the Hound would not agree. <laughs> naming swords. He's not down with that. <laughs> I, uh, I think that... It, uh, also... I appreciate his perspective. I appreciate that mentality, too. He thinks it's kind of silly yeah. or whatever. Like, I, oh, come I, on. Naming your sword. Yeah. Come on. I kind of feel like as as a person, if I were a warrior, I wouldn't care about that. I, would, I wouldn't make fun of other people. I'd go along the tradition. But, oh, I would be more bottom line oriented. You know what I mean? But as a fan of this rich culture you know yeah. what i mean i yeah, want to know yeah. all about the swords so yeah <laughs> there's a there's a funny mm-hmm. moment it's a, this is a super mild spoiler from the books jamie thinks about how he used to name his horses and then he stopped because they just die all the time in <laughs> battle and he's like yeah you know i was stop naming them i by the way i did the same thing with i have fish tanks and i stopped naming my fish for the same reason <laughs> it's just they just die i name a few of them but most of them i'm like no it makes me attach to them and then when they die it's sad and fish doesn't die too often Anyway, that's a tangent. I need a white walker to bring my fish back. <laughs> Undead fish. Okay, another question. Speaking on the uh, speaking along the same lines here. Question from Ron Snow. Do you think it will be brought up that there is another Valyrian steel blade possibly at John's disposal with Brienne being around with Oathkeeper? That's kind of cool. Mm, yeah. I don't think it will because it seems like Brienne's heading south real soon yeah. to the Riverlands and, and, and John's already kind of skedaddled. From you know from the from the area, so oh, it seems like a while before either of them or will be facing to, White Walkers. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure that did, they're going to yeah. end up facing White Walkers. Yeah, and it might be pretty convenient and awesome to have Brienne there smashing down some White Walkers with her Valerian bl- steel blade. Right? It's a double whammy. Yes, she would be super useful because the sword, her sword, is among the few that would be particularly effective, and because it would mean Brienne lasts that long. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it means she's around for that end, yeah. which. We Although she might that. might die doing it, that might be her <laughs> yeah, yeah, final scene, right? It's hard for any, hard for people to escape from that. Okay, let's keep moving. There's still a lot. We're definitely not going to get to every question, so apologize in advance for that. That's just always the way it goes. We'll keep focusing up on these ones that have the highest upvotes. Another one from Darren Tucker, Knight of the Red. Good job, Darren. Getting a couple questions with a lot of upvotes. If Marjorie ends up with a trial by combat, can she, as queen, demand that the Mountain, as a King's Guard, be her champion? I don't see why not. Yeah, I've asked similar questions before. I, I don't know if that's who she would choose or if she would even know to I think choose him. It would be him, smart but... to choose him. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> he can't be killed. He's already dead. How can he lose? No, I, I've really, I do, I do think that's an interesting uh, possibility. It's really gonna. I'm not sure it will come up though because I, I still, I'm still holding on to my some sort of trick is going to happen here with the High Sparrow in this this march, but. 
Can I? Uh, I want to take this moment to talk about something because I've had some further thoughts on how King's Landing is going to play out. Sure. This, this is. I'm going to tell you what I kind of predict. They're going to assemble the forces. The Lannisters and Tyrells. Are like, Let's go kick their ass. They they better let Marjorie go. They better let Loras go. They better not embarrass her in the streets like they did to Cersei. We're going to just go in there and kill them all. And High Sparrow's going to be like, oh, come, it's cool here. It's Marjorie. Yeah, take her. That's, I didn't know you guys were going to be all upset by this. You're getting all the people worked up. Oh, man, you don't have to be so militant. You know what I mean? Like, he just be cool and give her up and not worry about how she goes down the street naked or any of that. You yeah. Know? Um... <clears throat> Kind of just diffuse it by just like giving them what they want, but like and Loras too, and we're like, oh, oh, Lor- of course, Loras, come on out, mm. and he's gonna come out in brown robes, <laughs> a little pentagram on his forehead, and stand there next to Lancel, and be like, I'm just gonna stay here. Mm. That's what I think. That's and what I think. You know what would be really neat too is if 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 Loras fights the Mountain, that it's a rematch of season one in the joust yes yes that's right we talked about yeah that. we did brief, touch, yeah, yeah. touch on that briefly so that's it's good it bears repeating that so that there's a, a thematic resonance to that happening again and well i don't like loris's chances <laughs> <laughs> let's just say that here's a great question there by wilkins 75 if brienne meets jamie in the riverlands could she expose that littlefinger is working against the lannisters by telling him he had sansa Yes, absolutely. I think they might yeah. find that out anyway. I think Sansa's, the fact that Sansa's out and about in the North is just going to get out one way or another. It may not get back, it may not come out that Littlefinger had to do with that, anything to do with that, but it probably will because of, you know, how it, it's just, there's, the veil is showing up to like defend her and, and they go north. They might be beyond worrying about it. I don't know for sure, but they might, at this point, well, she married a Bolton. The Boltons are her allies, right? Mm. Boltons are allies? Okay. Uh eh. All right, whatever. We got other stuff to deal with, you know. They I mean, might. Roos pointed out that he, you know, betrayed the Iron Throne by doing this stuff with Sansa, and so he figures that. Okay, he yeah. said that he, he he was like it was only a matter of time before they turn yeah. on us. Although, let's just say that he it's revealed, and and they care and they're upset. You know what else has been revealed? Iron Islands are in revolt. <laughs> Is anyone care? Is anyone upset? Are they doing anything about well, that? Not, well, they're not doing anything. As as uh, as Yara yeah. said, like they 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 ignore us, they smack us down, and they're not actually yeah. attacking. But neither anyone. is neither is Roos, neither is Littlefinger. They're not they, doing anything. They yeah. did okay. Well, Baywan is the one who started this all, and so they've been this whole time. They they took the north, and the and King's Landing ignored them because they were attacking their enemies. So I think they're gonna. They have too many problems to worry about the Iron Islands. But this is this is more important because this is this is Sansa. And this is this is them losing something. You just don't respect Iron Islands either, do you? <laughs> no. <laughs> even though I'm drinking from an Iron Islands mug. No, I do. I, I think that they yeah, so I think that's the thing. It's it's, it's part of it's just being realistic. They can't deal with the Iron Islands, and they don't need to because they're not um, they're not currently a problem. Yeah. Now the Boltons Are they currently losing a the North Well they are if they are if this is indication of greater treason, that this means that they're going to try to break, become independent or something like that, then that's them losing a real piece of the realm. Losing their own islands as part of the realm, they can take care of that eventually. And and they're not losing a lot of, like, income in the meantime it's or whatever. Just, but the North is, is huge. It's, it's such a big part so, of the kingdom. It's still so easy for Bolton or Littlefinger to spin it as, this is how you secure the North. You marry a Stark back in. You know what I mean? Like, but still, this is a that political was, play she to was a, strengthen the North. You know, she was so. a prop. She was basically property of King's Landing. There, she was property of Cersei. True, Cersei's true. not just going to forget that, right? Same thing. Littlefinger just did the same thing when he t- when he saw Royce. He's like, 
I was attacked by troops on the way, and he knew right where we were. How did they know about their little finger say, like, I found yeah. her. I definitely shouldn't end, underestimate Littlefinger's ability to work yeah, to, to squ spin squirm it. his way out of something. And he sure. might even, however he spins it, Cersei or whoever might know good and well that he's lying, but they can't do anything because Littlefinger's got the Knights of the Vale now, or he's got some information about the Sparrow, whatever it yeah. is. You know, they just can't chop his head off. Maybe they will. <laughs> Maybe he'll get his head chopped off. But I feel like he, he he's got things plotted out. He's made it this far. He he knew that this potential was there. He didn't think that it would just be secret forever that Sansa. You know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, um, that's a so I guess the takeaway from that is it's a great question to ask. Something I hadn't thought about was the meeting of Jamie and Brienne and what Brienne and, and Jamie could tell each other. And this is certainly one of the big things. So that's great to think about. Um, good good job, Wilkins seventy five. Okay, here's a question from our friend Nina Friel. What do you suppose might be the great dramatic event of Episode Nine? Episode Nines have always been the big, hard-hitting, big battle, big moments for the most part. Uh, what it's spread out a little bit to Episodes Eight and Ten, though. It say. does. Yes, you're right. But Episode Nines, the the, the, the first few seasons for sure was definitely a... the history of Episode Nines is, I believe, it was the the top, not including this season, the first, the top ten rated on IMDb Game of Thrones episodes. Five of them are the Episode Nines. Yeah. So it's that's how so they really have packed the most punch as far as popularity and major events because usually those things go together. Major events and popularity tend to, you know, merge in that sense. So I think th th so the question is: great dramatic event of episode nine, Battle at Winterfell, some version of the Battle of Fire. Will we see a similarity to last season where episode eight had a great battle and nine had the fighting pit? I, yeah, I think the latter. Yes, I think it'll be more similar. Like you said, it's spreading out a bit more. It isn't all as quite as focused on episode nine. Partly because the budget's bigger, they can they can do a big battle and still do some big things in the other ones. And because more stories are being woven together, so you're going to have more climactic moments. Yeah. So. I'm definitely betting on the Battle of Winterfell being episode nine. Um, but I, I mean, I'm not, I, I, I don't mean that as a, I know that from some for some reason. That's just a pure guess based on. The patterns of past seasons, when they happen, when they tend to have the big battles, and that and all that. So, the aftermath, I assume some of that will be resolved by the end of the battle, and some of it in episode 10. I think it'll be episode 8. I think, think so? I okay. Think Winterfell will be 8, and the wall will be 10. Ooh. Like, I think okay. between 8 and 10... What's 9, then? Something with Danny then? Yeah, they'll go, they'll do action in other places. Something they'll at Slaver's Bay, maybe yeah. taking, bringing the Kalasar down... Okay, I kind of maybe I, maybe King's Landing being burned and the Lannisters fleeing. Hmm, I can see that. And we get no King's Landing, no Lannisters in Episode Ten, and it's a bit focused on a big battle, maybe a sea battle with Danny or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Episode Eight and or Nine could also have a, Dan a battle with Danny taking back, you know, the, the slave cities who aren't complying with Tyrion's mm. treaty or whatever. Yeah. You, know? you could have a, a battle with the Dothraki. It's a good point because you want if we're if, to to align things up with what we talked about before. If Danny's going to be like heading out for Westeros. Yeah, that would be episode ten. Yeah, if she's arriving by episode ten for the end of episode ten, then I suppose that we need to flip flop that and say Battle of Winterfell would be nine, and she's probably doing her attacking business before leaving around episode eight. Maybe I don't okay. know. So I then think she can pack need... up and start leaving by episode yeah. ten. <laughs> I think you might get a Battle of Winterfell and a battle in Marine or mm -hmm. Marine area Essos uh, in episodes eight, and then you get a battle. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> there's a, there's lots of different big things to happen. I, I I feel like there's like five things that would be worthy of an episode nine. Does that make sense? Yes. And so you can get two of them in episode nine, two in episode eight, and one in episode ten. You know, I think you have enough to fill up episodes eight, nine, and ten 
with big moments. And exactly what order they'll be, I'm not sure, but I, I'm inclined to think that the Winterfell will be sooner because you need time to have another one happen after. Mm. And I kind of feel that way about having a battle with Danny too, because uh, partly because I think it's actually a little bit less meaningful. That'll probably be nine, actually. I bet that's not. They get battles in Marine with Danny in nine. And images of her sailing out in episode 10. You get Battle of Winterfell in episode 8. Time to prepare for the wall in 9. Battle at the wall in 10. Okay. Uh, something like that. Something like that. Right on. Okay, let's move on. From Wilkins 75 again. Could anyone take on the Dead Mountain and win? Who would you pick to take him on? Who can beat him? I don't. I can't think of anybody. Think just and a person? It yeah, and person. Like, like uh, in a trial by combat situation or just any sort of one-on-one fight? Yeah, I can't think of anyone that's capable uh, of beating him. But my, I, I don't want to pick him. I'm a, I mean, just like burning <laughs> yeah. him. Like just... The person I want to pick, I, I'm afraid to pick because I wouldn't want him to lose. <laughs> but I think the best pick is Braun. Braun, not bad, not bad. Yeah. Speaking of, when do we get to see Braun this year? I know, that's what I'm when saying. When do we get some Braun action? Hopefully <laughs> soon. Get, go somewhere. Uh, Jamie needs to go somewhere so he can take Braun with him and we can get more Cooper and Darnell banter. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Looking forward I, to that. I want to make a couple points real quick. Uh, sure. The other thoughts that I've had. Um, one is uh, uh, thinking about visions and brand and stuff we want to know about the past. Sure. Uh, I, I should have brought this up early because this topic's come up a couple times. That's okay. It's the nature of Q and A's to jump yeah. all over the place. The the moment when Canvara, uh, Canvara, you know, mm-hmm. like is talking to Varus and yeah. like to me, like setting up this like super. Uh, suspense cliffhanger i can't think of the word but like <laughs> what was the voice what did they say what did he hear i want to know this you know uh i wonder a way if a way that could be revealed especially been on all the everything kind of ties together and how the gods are involved and the different players yeah the vision for brand mm. brand could be sure. a witness to what happened to varus in his youth and how mm. why it happened you know we don't need to see another penis <laughs> mutilation yeah yeah uh <laughs> Anyway, that, that's one thought that I had. Um, that's interesting. Uh, it might just be Varus might just tell the story. And maybe it would be neat to see one of Melisandre's visions or one of Kinvara's visions for us to be shown that. Yeah, that yeah we haven't really see. gotten to see it that uh, way. But, uh, and here's the other thing. This is another uh, thing that I think was really neat about this episode. Something that happened. Okay. Think of all the different characters and all the different, uh, their temperaments and their expertise, their attitudes... Who are the two, who would you say are the two most, I'm going to say, like, prepared or stable or organized or uh, savvy characters? Who would you say? Most organized? Most yeah, savvy? Yeah, a swirl of those different things. For example, it's not Arya. No. It's not Sansa. Probably, it's not Ned Stark. It could be Littlefinger. That was one. And it could Who be Varus. Two. Yeah. That's exactly the two and people. And those are the two and most two intelligent people, schemers. Yeah. Those two people were both at their weakest moments in this past episode. Huh. Both of them were both in very like, good. An I uncertain footing. I didn't see anyone yeah. make that observation. That's really clever. Yeah. Good I thought catch. that was a neat thing to, 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 to witness. These people who always know exactly what to do, what to say, and where they're going. The next step. And they got everything plotted out. And both of them were suddenly confronted. Interesting, with a woman, mm-hmm. taking them out of sorts, making yeah. them uh, reevaluate what they're doing and not sure what to say back. You know? One woman, so, very young one, extremely old. Yeah. Well, probably. Okay, here's a few more. Um, I believe we sort of, we've pretty much answered this already, but I want to throw it up there just to, to reiterate. How many others are left right now? Didn't Craster give away many, many sons? Yeah, he did give away more sons. Of course, he's been giving away sons for years. Yeah. So That's like, something I wondered about, too. Yeah, is it seven or 
37. How many is it, could it is, be? Is he partly responsible for helping them return in a way? Yeah. Like, did he give them power that they may not have? I feel like when we otherwise? talked about this, we kind of decided, or at least I kind of decided in thinking about it, they it couldn't have made that much difference. They, yeah. they, if they have armies of thousands, that, and it may, maybe if the 13 we saw, all 13 of them came from Christer, then, well, maybe that was a big deal. Uh, mm-hmm. But um, it's really hard to say. Yeah, we, we're not clear on their numbers. If there was only those 13, then I would say that that's the the Craster has definitely played a big role. Yeah, and but it's it it's kind of hard to believe that Craster would be like the only guy in the North giving them sons. You know, it could be. It, it wouldn't be a big surprise, yeah. but it would he kind might of make be the sense. only one giving them. They might steal them or randomly get them. Just otherwise, take them, yeah, but just... I don't know how much of this other people would have been yeah. in the business of doing it. You know, like. Generally speaking, you wouldn't see anyone giving up sons, right? Like that's not—I don't know how different wildling culture is, mm. but um, <clears throat> that would seem quite unusual, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Pretty yeah. much any culture, and even fantasy, feudal, modern times, even they're trying to make laws in China or whatever. It's yeah, like, yeah. You don't, for better, or worse, unfair or not, that's not part of culture to give up your sons. So I, I would not expect other wildlings to be doing. Maybe someone somewhere, yeah. but not. Uh, not with the sort of organized regularity that he seemed to be doing it with. You know. Well, thanks for the question there, Kazra, from Kazra Karimi. And we move on to a question from Shankar Padmanaban. Hopefully I said that reasonably well. Since Bran and the Night's King may have similar powers, do you think Bran will be able to control his white army and turn his forces against the Night's King? We discussed that part already, but the second part of the question, do you think Night's King might be able to recruit Bran to his side? I don't think he'll be able to. I think he might try, but we haven't seen any anything that would hint towards that depends on what you mean by recruit you mean like kill him uh, and use his body for another yeah. walker well he won't it's not going to do any walking <laughs> won't Could work he? that's interesting <laughs> he's a white crawler <laughs> um uh, but yeah no i i kind of doubt it but it's a cool thought to think about maybe he's like trying to control him and maybe now that the three-eyed raven's out of the way he's you know he doesn't have this protection but i kind of doubt it i kind of doubt it but it's a it's a fun thing to think about Here's another one. What do you think that is from Alejandro Gaydow? Gaydu. I'm not sure how to say your name. Apologize. What do you think that is more f- disturbing? Brand mind-fucking Hodor accidentally or Mira consciously asking Hodor to sacrifice himself as she's the one yelling, hold the door? Yeah, well, that's true. Yeah, M- Mira. I mean, it's it's hard to judge people when things are super desperate and you can't necessarily blame her for prioritizing Bran's life over Hodor. It's not yeah. like these are two... In our world, prioritizing one human life over another is pretty rough. You can't... It is not necessary to do that. But this is not... This is literally the, the person that is necessary to perhaps save all of mankind. Yeah, so she's like, been on this quest to yeah. find and protect and help him this whole time. Yeah. And so also, it couldn't go any so other way. So was Hodor. Yeah, so was Hodor. That's true. But who, yeah. how, how could it have gone anyway? No one else could have he wasn't actually held the on door. Quest, but right. It's yeah, just a matter of... supposed to say that... Hodor, just let him through. Don't worry. Hodor, just let him through. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, he was which... he was dead basically the moment they invaded the cave because you know, and then the door was their only way out. Yeah. That's that. I mean, it's, it's, it's there's no other way it can go. It's either they all die or maybe some of them get away. They were, Hodor can't save them, but I mean, Hodor can only Hodor could save them there. So that's a good question, though. All right, so let's move on. I'm sure she will feel some guilt, just like Bran will. You know what I mean? And I, maybe I've seen some hate directed toward Bran's character. It's his fault that Hodor killed. Why isn't it Mira's fault? You know? <laughs> Here is a good question from Karen Chavez. Do you believe that Sansa could have not said about meeting Peter 
Baelish, Littlefinger that is, because she doesn't trust Davos or Melisandre. Not because of a thing about John. Well, that is possible, but she didn't. She was asked why, and she didn't give that as a reason. Brienne yeah. said, well, "Why'd you lie to your brother?" She didn't say, "I wasn't lying to him. I was lying to Dara." She yeah. she just like, "You oh, shouldn't have done that." Oh my! <laughs> she <laughs> she didn't uh, give that explanation. Yeah, she as just to why she she, did she it. just kind of didn't say anything. Really. Which you <laughs> right? She didn't have a good answer. Like the answer yeah. is because I don't trust my brother. That yeah. you know that's the answer, right? And she didn't want to say that out loud. She didn't want to admit to it. But yeah, she's it's true that she doesn't she doesn't know John. Like it was a, it was a yeah. wonderful reunion, but she really doesn't know him very well. Of course, everything she's seen about him should indicate that he's trustworthy. But you you yeah. can't blame her for yeah. having right these trust get, issues from right, being so much of your time with Littlefinger. For one, I think you got to be careful how you use the word trust. I, I pointed this out before one time, and yeah. trust doesn't necessarily mean they won't steal my money. It means I know how they will behave. Right. Right. And so... Like, like she, Tyrion trusting the slavers to act in their own best interests. That's not trust. Right, right. That's he just, doesn't think they're good men, but he knows how they will behave. And right. he can make plans based on that. Right. Yeah. Sansa doesn't necessarily know how John will behave. In fact, she probably does know how he'll behave, and it's not the way she wants. If she says, mm-hmm. oh yeah, I talked to Littlefinger. He has this army and wants to help out. But I don't want him to. Like, what do you mean you don't want him to? He was mean to me. It's his fault I got raped. I don't want his help. Like, you don't understand. We need his help, son. So, no, no, no. Like, you can't make this personal decision for yourself. We need his help as an army, as a force. We're going to go get his help. Your goal is to, you say yourself, your goal is to right. take back Winterfell. Well, we need right. soldiers for that. She, That's the reality. Right. Yeah. And she just might get outpowered by all the men telling her what to do. Also, so she's concealing that. Also, kind of knowing yeah. it's true, and yeah. just hoping that she doesn't have to go there. Maybe she hasn't admitted it to herself yet, but right. I, I kind of feel like she'll come around. Maybe on that. knowing she can ask for help later, that he's not going to not give it later, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. But you can see all the reasons why she wouldn't want to say it there, even if she does trust John. Yeah. Does that make sense? Just because she trusts him doesn't mean she will agree with her plans or understand her emotions. Does that make sense? Yes. Here's a question from Imaginista Requiem. Do you think Littlefinger could have written the pink letter? He uses the phrase, come and see, when showing Robin the Falcon. And the conversation he had with Cersei last time he saw her. So he says apparently that phrase is, is attributed to him. And the letter, you know, could be he's trying to stir things up to create this war so he can come in and rescue and be, you know, because that's what he's been trying to set up for a while, is to bring the Vale Knights to the north to make a power play. And, well, he can't do that if the north isn't in conflict with itself. I, the problem I have with this idea, I think it fits, except for one thing, which is that if someone else wrote the pink letter, that's just a book term for it. Yeah, I was going to say real quick, what's a pink letter? Yeah, the pink letter <laughs> I, is the letter. I'm kind yeah, of aware know. because I've heard people talk, my last name is Pink. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and so but the idea of a pink letter or my name and being in Game of Thrones and it's every now and then in the mail get a letter that is pink, you know, it, it is, and people just said, and I've, so I've kind of garnered that there must be a it's pink letter thing. or some pink letters in Game of Thrones, but I don't really know it's what It's the they same are, thing. So. It's the letter that was sent saying, you know, give me back Sansa or I rape her, blah, 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 or I'm going to do all Was it like on a pink you. parchment or something? No, the Boltons, or? the Bolton colors, one of the Bolton colors is pink. Okay. And so they use pink sealing wax for okay. the letter so in the in the in the show it was more of a dark red yeah i thought it was red but so, I mean, maybe if i thought it was supposed to be pink i would have seen it as pink but in any case the point is that the letter it's the same letter basically the okay. wording is slightly different but, but but it's not a huge difference and just like and there's also i'll say and this is a slight book spoiler but it, it parallels this exactly there is questions as to whether or not ramsey actually wrote it or not okay um so 
The, but the problem, this is like, this part has nothing to do with the books. So what I'm about to say. In the show, if Ramsey didn't write it, that means he's doing nothing to get back Sansa yeah. and do the. He's not. He hasn't even sent a messenger because that messenger was wearing yeah. Bolton color. Like that letter yeah, was hand delivered yeah. by a man with a Bolton shield. Now that could also have been set up by Littlefinger. Absolutely, right? but that does mean but, that Ramsey's just sitting there doing nothing, just expecting things to fall in line. It means he's yeah. not trying to get back Sansa, or they're not showing. Which us doesn't that. seem like the case. It seems like he's plotting things out. He's gathering allies yeah. and so on and so on. So I like the uh, idea. I think it's cool, and I think it's fun to think about these other possibilities. But ultimately, that that lack of action on Ramsey would be would, would make sense. sense. Wouldn't make sense yeah. to me. Uh, I want to point out something while we're on Ramsey real quick. It's sure. Another thing. Uh, someone else actually pointed this out to me, but it made me. I didn't have a particular problem with Ramsey killing Roos. I I think it could have been done better, and I don't like that he did it. Like I really wanted and thought it was Roos <laughs> killing Ramsey. You know, it's not the direction I thought it was going. Uh, I was disappointed that it happened, uh, but a lot of people thought it wasn't realistic. I've heard a lot of people complain that like Bruce should have been ready for that, you know. And I, I guess I see what they're saying. In my mind, though, I feel like the child wasn't even born yet. He's like having dinner with his son. He seems like he's establishing like it's not like he should be totally trusting, but it's not like he should have been expecting to get stabbed with a knife at that moment. You know what I mean? Yeah, I yeah, think yeah. somewhere in the middle. Uh, I think it's. I don't think it's like. Oh, Roos was just an idiot. Like, I don't know if you have to be an idiot to not to to not expect to get stabbed in a knife yeah. at every moment by your own <laughs> son. You know what I mean? Uh, all that said, though, anyone who had trouble with that or whatever trouble I might have had was lessened a little bit when something someone pointed out something out to me. Ramsey hugged Roos, mm-hmm. which That's, probably not normal yeah. for either of them to have an emotional moment like that. Mm-hmm. And it's a way for Roos for Ramsey to check wearing armor ha, nice right that's clever that, yeah, i don't know yeah, if they yeah. thought about that when that's they wrote smart. it but yeah. if you think Make about sure it he's not wearing yeah and he was concealing armor at the red wedding where he had yes like, exactly that's, that was the thing that catlin Which, notices the armor yeah that it, was then, like the tip off that's the thing that the person that i was talking to you know made got them to make that connection about how he was wearing cool. armor he probably could have could tell by how bulky he was or not but i like the explanation anyway yeah. that's cool that's just just a double check it also shows it that, that ramsey would have expected roos to be prepared you know yeah I mean? it's like, like maybe and like it, well and yeah this un- really was a surprising moment. maybe ramsey was planning to do it all along and car stark knew it and he's like if that if that kid's if, the, if that fat step of mama <laughs> mine you gives birth to a boy i'm gonna have to kill my father and like i would too i know what you're saying i'll i'll be behind you if you do and then that shit, it happened. Oh, it was a boy? Now? Hmm. Let me see if he's got armor on. <laughs> I, I don't know when my next best chance is coming. And this all right, relates, doing it now. This yeah. all relates to what we some stuff we talked about with Sansa and trust issues. It's not When you have trust issues, it's harder for you to trust people. Because yeah. Of, yeah. it's not just, it's not necessarily that you're dishonest, that you become dishonest because other people are dishonest to you. It's that this whole concept of trust is harder to, 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 to work with. And so, so for Ramsey to be thinking, you know, well, my father's a cunning man and, and Ramsey's a you know, a schemer. So people who are schemers are more likely to Suspect expect schemery. other people are schemers. Yeah. yeah, it's it's like dishonest people expect dishonesty, and honest people expect <laughs> honesty. It's, it's kind of the same thing. Um, okay, so let's move on. I'll, let's do one more question, and then we'll move on to the spoilery questions. And let's go with this one from another one. Darren Tucker's just crushing it tonight. Darren Tucker, Night of the Red, Night of the Forums. As far as you know, as far as we know, the Boltons hold Moat Kalen. How do you see Littlefinger getting the Vale Army through? Fake alliance or real alliance? Yeah, that is a, definitely a, a strategic or logistical issue that, that is worth saying. You cannot take, you cannot just march an army through Moat Kalen from the south. That's why Roos and Ramsay did that whole thing where they brought Theon there to, yeah. to free it. 
So, absolutely, he can't. Someone's gonna have to let him in to let the, that army in. And it may, it might be that some of the north like joins. It could go a couple of ways, like Darren suggesting. Littlefinger could uh, could say he's coming to be an ally of Bolton. He's like, well, we're still allies. I'm bringing you help. Where did he say? Where did he say he had the Knights of the Vale? At the Mokalen. That's exactly. Not controlling it, just there. At Mokalen. That okay. doesn't mean anything. We don't know. Okay. But presumably okay. they haven't taken it. Because it's supposed to be impossible to do that. Yeah. And for sure, the I guess we know the Boltons have it because they took it when the ploy was Right. Down. We've okay. seen them take it and there's no reason to think that they've lost it. Yeah. And they know how important it is. It would be silly for them to give it up. So it, it would have to be... Tr I do think it has to be trickery. So Littlefinger's going to have to pretend he's still an ally of the Boltons, which, he, which he's done. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. all this point. So He's definitely playing all the sides as far as we can tell at this moment. So Yeah. So that that is... I think that's likely in it. But the possibility of a real alliance... Yeah, I guess there's a chance. I don't think so, though, because I think he still wants to to pull, you know, to rule with Sansa and to take over kind of himself, or, I mean, I don't think he wants to co-rule with Ramsay or do anything with Ramsay, really. But he, but he's a guy who rolls with the punches. If that's the best Ramsey path to power... Ramsay also chaos. Maybe he likes having Ramsay around. That's a good point, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, Maybe he wants enough chaos to be Lord of the North, but no more chaos after that. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, folks, so if you don't want any to hear us discuss questions and answers based on trailer spoilers, interviews, and the next on episode six especially, but also we're going to talk about things that may or may not happen in episode seven, eight, nine, and ten. So if you don't want to be spoiled on those, we'll see you next time. We'll see you on Monday. Thanks for tuning in. Nice turnout tonight. Wasn't sure how many people would want to grind another several hours of awesome discussion glad to see there's so many of you out there that are just as into the material as we are that just it just warms my heart <laughs> <laughs> so let's I, this is a, I think this is a really good question here from helene may as an addendum to the question i asked about bran with the mark of the knight's king on monday yeah several people asked that question so good job you asked it as well do you think it's possible that Benjen could have survived as long as he has if he somehow had the mark of the Night's King upon him too? Could it explain why he hasn't come back? Mm. That's a great question. And, you know, we were both kind of down on the possibility that Mark... We certainly didn't say no, it couldn't be. But we were, we were both leaning towards no on that. But this does make me reconsider that a little bit. It would explain a few things. It would explain why he is, couldn't come back. But, why, but it wouldn't explain why he couldn't just, like, come near the wall and be like, Hey, guys, I can't come over. I'm... I, I, I can't cross because I got this mark. I got thing. this mark on yeah. me. I feel like it would there'd be a simpler way to resolve that. Also, how would he know what the effects of it were? You know yeah. what I mean? Maybe it could be magically conveyed to him, which means other things could be. I don't know. Maybe he's just been communicated to by the Raven. You know what I mean? Like, hey, stick Absolutely. around. You're going to need to save Brand. You mm -hmm. know, like, and especially because if he saw the past, he would have seen this need for an escape and this need yeah. for help. Now. From the trailer, we see someone riding a horse, wielding a fiery ball and chain, smacking a white in the what appears to be a white. Well, it's definitely a white. Well, almost definitely a white in the face. And in, in you, from with a freeze frame, you can see that that happens with Mira and Bran on the screen. On the ground, they're in the yeah. they're right there in the corner. So it, there, it's it's a close call. <laughs> so it does seem like it'll be a last minute rescue. And I'm just wondering. How, we talked about why he doesn't have his horse. Like where does the, yeah. something is How's some some sort of out? weird explanation is gonna. Yeah. I can't. I just can't figure it. But I'm excited because the possibility of Benjen returning seems pretty cool. We've been wondering about that for a long time. So, yeah, it could explain a lot. It would explain a lot, but it wouldn't explain everything. It would still be, there would still be a lot of other unanswered questions. It would create 
it would answer some questions, but it would create new ones. I guess that's the answer. <laughs> okay, let's look at a few others. Let's see here. What are some other good questions? Here's an interesting one. I've heard that some think Sansa is pregnant. Do you think that her visit from Littlefinger when she said she could still feel what Ramsay had done to her in her body might be what she is talking about? Sophie yeah. Turner also mentions a red wedding to come. I think the red wedding to come, well, I have some thoughts on that, but they're book spoilers, so I just won't go there. I'm glad this came up because I meant to talk about this earlier. I, I had thought about this in the past, too. I felt like it's, they, I almost feel like they wanted to make sure we knew she was pregnant by making sure that we saw Ramsay consummate the marriage. And also, Ramsay made sure there was a witness, making sure, you know, on one hand, it was like this cruel thing, this weird, torturous thing that he was doing. But on another hand, it might have had a practical purpose. There was a witness to know for sure that Sansa's carrying his child. She hmm. even said in a part of the speech to Ramsay, he needed my stark face for his heir. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I still feel inside me what he did to me. And so I feel like they could have said it more clearly. But they could have said it less clearly too. They definitely use those words and those statements for her to talk about the scenario, and I and they, they the way they showed it happened and made a point of how Tyrion didn't consummate the marriage and and so on. It's even part of the tradition, right, for the men to carry the woman off and see to it that it's done. Is that yeah. tear her clothes off and throw them into bed? And Ramsay didn't have all that. Well, damn it. I need Theon to watch then. I need the world to know that I hmm. got her pregnant. Hmm. And I, I steered away from the thought in the past. Is, is it really necessary? I mean, everybody knows that there was a ton of witnesses to the marriage. Why would there ever be doubt that he would be the father of any children she has? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I, don't forget, he also gets to be weird and torturous, you know. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but, but I, the, the only thing that steered me away from being more sure of it was I don't see how there's enough time on a show for a pregnancy to play out. I agree Does with that. Does that make sense? Yes, especially how uh, slowly Gilly baby has grown up <laughs> yeah doesn't mean she can't be pregnant and it wouldn't change how things play out but yeah i i but but i it was reinforced in me when someone pointed out to me the language of her speech i was like oh yeah that's right that was a, a thing that i had considered and was starting to blow off but i feel like they're bringing it back to the forefront now here's a related question from dornish dan that that directly ties into the santa the shrewd santa can send a gray letter <laughs> need the start colors <laughs> To let Ramsay telling him she's pregnant. True or not? Yeah, yeah. She yeah. can turn the tables on him a little bit and say, hey, look, this kid is in danger unless you... This kid is in danger unless you let Rickon go or something like that. Yeah. And that's, that's the what, what Dornish Dan suggests. Like, that's interesting. Very interesting. I don't know. I don't know how Ramsay would play that. That's an inter I don't know if she'll think of that possibility. Because I'm kind of down on the possibility of her being pregnant for what you said. You know, yeah, the, the fact that there's no time for this to play out. It would be like a creepy bittersweet part a part of a bittersweet ending if, if you know things kind of come out okay they beat the white walkers winterfell is restored but santa has bears ramsey's child and it's like yeah man <laughs> it wasn't part of george's original intent for yeah her to marry joffrey and have a child with joffrey yes. and be torn between this son that she loves but being part of the family that she hates absolutely so, so that gives it, it a little extra credibility yeah. but the fact that nothing has come up to, to yet to suggest it is it's all yeah. just it's just an idea that we haven't seen any confirmation of. now Sansa didn't want to tell the truth about Littlefinger and the Veil Knights. Maybe this is something else she would want to conceal, but it's a silly thing to conceal because it's going to come up, you know. We, we, we should know pretty soon one way or another. Like, they can't just conceal it forever. It, would be, it wouldn't be believable. She's going to have to have, like, morning sickness or something. Not every woman yeah. gets morning sickness, but, you know, she has to, like, start showing or something, you know. It's, yeah. Too much time will have passed. Anyway. Okay. That is the last question we have time for. 
We wanted to keep this at two hours because it's, well, there's always time for more questions later. <laughs> and, hey, I gotta go to Balticon tomorrow. I gotta, I gotta edit this video, get it up, and prepare to answer more questions at Balticon. And then we come back and watch the episode on Sunday. We'll be back on Monday with another review and lots more fun. Only halfway through the season. It feels like we've done so much already. So I'm really looking forward to the second half. Too. One person on this one question I didn't get to that I saw out of the corner of my eye was, have I ever touched your beard before? And, uh, well, yes, now I have. Okay, Valar Morbeardus, Valar Morgullus, we'll see you all on Monday, and maybe see a few of you at Balticon. Come say hi. 